Hello, welcome back to On the Road. Uh, this week, uh, we're speaking with Kevin from Wisconsin. Different Kevin than the one you remember, maybe from a couple weeks ago. Uh, this is a Kevin I didn't know at all. I, we met, I believe, if not the day before, just a couple days before we sat down and did the recording. Uh, our paths crossed, and he turned out to be a fascinating individual, and I actually had to stop him. <laughs> I asked him not to, uh, not to tell me much more about his life because I wanted to uh, to sit down and record it with him. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm really glad I, I got to meet this guy. He turned out to be uh, the sweetest guy, really nice, and he sent some pictures, which uh, if I haven't uploaded them yet, I will upload them soon. But he took pictures on this walk that he took from his hometown in Wisconsin all the way to the Grand Canyon. It took him three months. Uh, that's what this is primarily about. The first half is just kind of about uh, his life and the events leading up to this walk, but uh, a good hunk of this is just really delving into what can happen. Obviously, you don't get it at all, but oh, I was just pestering him with questions, as you'll see. But uh, anyhow, I hope you enjoy it. Here's me with Kevin. I know that you're very into the forestry, and um, is it just forestry, or is there like an umbrella word for the the whole kind of thing that you're involved so my, in academically? My major is forestry, um, with an emphasis in urban forestry. That's the my official title. Well, define urban forestry for me. I've never heard that term. So, urban forestry is basically trees around people. Okay. Because you, you have your standard forest management where you go out and they just have this forest in the middle of the nowhere and they just log it for timber or whatever they want to do, but it's yeah. not like around civilization or people. Urban forestry is like street trees or parks, um, stuff like that, where you, you need to know exactly what to plant you know underneath the power line or in certain situations. Right. Because we have entirely different soils in urban areas too. Um, they tend to be more alkaline, more salty, and we need to know which species will you know, go well in, in different locations because you can't just have a dead tree in the middle of the city. Right. This is fascinating. I didn't, I mean, of course, when you think about it, like, you'd have to have a division for mm-hmm. that. But, like, never in my life would I have thought, of course, the urban forestry yeah. <laughs> division. And, and when I even started at the university here, I had no idea urban forestry was a thing. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I, I just, I knew I liked plants, and we had a forestry division, so I thought, hey, I'd go into forestry. So you jumped in blind just knowing that it was something you liked, not knowing specifically what you were going to oh, do exactly. with it. exactly. I had no idea what exactly career I wanted to get out of this. I just knew I had a direction to go, and I was going to take it. That's so great, man. So hey, that's a scary thing. Like, I'm, there's a lot of things that I'm passionate about, but I would never... Like, jump in academically, like in a school, or like, mm-hmm. I don't think I could do it because I'm just like, what do I do with this? Like, at the end of it, but I mean, you did and you found it, and then, like, now you're on a very specific, awesome path. That's so cool. Yeah. And it took me a while to get here, though. Um, yeah. I graduated high school in 2010 um, from Deerfield, Wisconsin. Okay, so hold on. Then I just because I, I want to chronicle this all correctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't always start when we start, but now that we're getting into it, I'll ask, is that where you're from? Yes. Okay, so tell me about, what's it called again? What's the name? Deerfield. Deerfield, Wisconsin, and that's in southern Wisconsin? Correct. Okay. It's about 20 minutes drive east of Madison. Okay, so what's it like growing up there? What's that like? I know you were telling me earlier it was a very low population, very... Oh, yes. Um, I mean, the, the town 
at the time had less than 2,000 people in its population. And I, I wasn't even in the, the middle of the town. We were, I grew up on this, uh, like a single street of suburbia mm-hmm. out in the middle of nowhere surrounded by cornfields. Oh, wow. Okay. It's, it's kind of surreal. Horror film country, yeah, as we call it in California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it, I really appreciated growing up out there. I had so much access to nature as a child. I'd go out my back door, take 10 steps, and I'm in the middle of this tall grass prairie. Or I'll turn to the right, and I'm in the middle of a, a white pine plantation. I, you know, I built tree forts in there as a, as a kid. Well, obviously, obviously, it turned into a passion, but did you realize at the time how special that was? Because I feel like a, a lot of kids, when they look back, they like, took for granted, maybe, like, the benefits of their surroundings, you know? Like, maybe growing up in a place like that, um, and, like, not enjoying it as much as you could, or, or exploring as much as they could. So did you know that this was your thing at that time, or was it just going outside and playing? See, I knew from a very young age that I liked nature. Okay. At that time, I hated plants. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Plants were like this like dull green background to the cool animals that were, you know, in my sights. Right. I was a, a, a birder. I liked birds, mostly. Like bird watching? Yeah. Like okay. Songbirds. Is I, birder the term? I didn't know that. Yeah. Birder is like... So we have bird watcher, and that's more right. of a... a hobby, like armchair, okay. look, look out the window at the birds. Birding is when you like put on your knapsack with your two different pairs of binoculars mm-hmm. to go out like in the bush to find these weird obscure species that have blown in from the east coast. You're like the Indiana Jones of bird watchers, right? You're just <laughs> yeah, like, kind of, you yeah. think you're an archaeologist? <laughs> but I started out as a bird watcher. I, uh-huh. was, I was kind of a a young scientist at heart. In what way? Well, even, I can remember when I was six years old, we had those white pines out by, by my old house, and I would climb 50 feet in the air to look inside of a, a blackbird's nest to just count the eggs. And that, that was fun for me. I, I liked to monitor. I, I liked to be out there getting to know the world around me. What age is this? I was like five or six when I started. So... Did you, like, chronicle it? Were you, like, like really um, what's the word? Uh, retaining everything that you learned about these birds, or were you just, like, fascinated by the adventure of it? See, it's strange, because I didn't do any kind of documentation. There was nothing okay. on paper for any of this. It was all for the experience. Yeah. This was an activity. Yes. Yeah. It was entirely driven by my own curiosity and nothing else. I didn't want to, like, preserve things for... for posterity or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get to know this okay. on a really intimate level. I spent most of my formative years just learning the birds. Both, you know, I, I, I bought like the CDs where they have like all of the species of bird calls on there uh, so that I could, I could know them. And I would spend hours, days, out in the woods just experiencing the birds, noting all their little slight ticks and movements and to the point where I, I'm at the point now I haven't gone birding in years and I can still identify songbirds by ear alone I can hear like one little pip from it a just registers and I'm just like that, that's, huh? a, that's a black capped chickadee wow how cool man that's like a superpower it's, it's, it's ingrained <laughs> in me now I can't, I can't turn it off 
Where did this come from? Was this something that you found yourself, or was there a family member who was a birder, and then you maybe took that and did your own thing with it? But where did it start? Well, it, it certainly wasn't from my parents. They were never into the whole bird thing. The closest thing I got was through my dad. Uh, he was a big hunter. Uh-huh. He'd go out and deer hunt, and, and he would often take myself and my younger brother, and we'd just sit out in the woods, and we you'd be out there just in the nature. How many siblings do you have? I have one. So I, just I your brother. brother. Yeah. What's the gap? Uh, two and a half years. So you're pretty so, close. Then. Yeah. So did, was he into that with you? Were you guys like going out together? He, or was he doing his own thing? Yeah. Well, he was more geared the way my father was, where it's just like, we go out and hunt. And if we happen to like enjoy the nature while we're out there, great. But, you know, hunting is our thing. Right. Um, and I was never about, you know, the whole, they were very conservative and, I was never about the whole hunting, not that there's anything wrong with hunting. I actually really endorse hunting. It's it's a good conservation tool, but I don't do it myself. You're a birder. I, you just yeah. want to observe, I right? You're observe. here to examine and intimately uh, have a relationship with the nature around you. Exactly. You didn't want to disturb it. I, I think that comes from my, my mom's parents. Yeah. Uh, I spent a lot of time with them. They actually gave me some old books that my... Uh, great great grandmother had had when when she was really into birding and oh, cool. these things aren't even in print anymore and they have all of her like notes in the margins and that was awesome i love that i love finding especially in a library book even yes. if somebody's got their notations and sometimes there'll be some really profound you know like <laughs> observations like i didn't catch that <laughs> like thank you exactly. previous lender or lendy yeah so i i feel like i i got inspiration from that a, a good jumping off point but the rest of it was just all me that's cool man and that makes it so much more your own you know what i mean it's like a lot of kids are given things you know in their childhood that they take with them into their adulthood but it was like oh this was me and grandpa's thing this was me and dad's (laughs) thing and then i did it or you know whatever it's like at that young age it's hard to find people who have something that they found on their own and that is still with them so strong that it is it's defined in some way your career path. Sure. That's like really fascinating. Like a lot of like dominoes had to be in the right place for you to get there, man. That's really cool. Yeah. So I went here right out of high school and I wasn't really, I didn't have a whole lot of drive. I didn't have a direction to go. Mm -hmm. Um, The whole wildlife ecology thing was, I, I didn't necessarily want to go into science. I don't want to, I don't like doing research. I don't want to document things. Um, And a lot of the reason I actually went to college right out of high school was through pressure from my family, specifically my father. It was just like, that was the thing you do. Right. You finish high school, you go to college, and then you get a job. Is that, I mean, now, and this is, I've talked about this many times, and this is uh, something that's kind of common everywhere in this country. Uh, But, you know... There's a lot of people that do different... I didn't take that path. I know a lot of people that didn't. It was hammered at home. Yeah. But is it rare to see somebody not do that around here in Wisconsin? I think it's getting more and more common. Okay. Where, where people will finish high school and go into like a uh, like a more trade kind of job where they're, where they're doing construction or... But it is the right to work. Yes. It's the, what I mean is like no, a gap year. Is what they would call it in I Europe. I feel like that's still very liberal. It's very liberal. That's why I'm wondering if it's if it's rare to see here. 
most of our state here mm-hmm. is very conservative. Right. But if you get down into like the close Madison area, that's when you get to the more liberal stuff. Um, partly because they're a college campus and they tend to be a little more liberal than other areas. Um, but even as a college campus here, we're very conservative. Mm-hmm. I don't know a whole lot of people who have taken any kind of gap year or even a semester. Um, the, the reason I ask is because, and uh, again, normally I'm just talking to people about their lives in general, but you have a very specific and interesting story. And I'm wondering how weird that was to people around here to hear that you took off and did that, but I don't want to jump ahead, but that is why I was asking, to yeah. see if that was something that people have heard of, or if, if somebody went off and did something for themselves, would that be, like, confusing, <laughs> or would that be, like, accepted, or yeah. are they thinking what's wrong with this person, when there's nothing wrong with that person, but I, I don't know what it's like to be in a culture where that's really unheard of. I don't think it's frowned upon, okay. but I do think it elicits a lot of confusion on people or like gotcha oh that's kind of weird right um it's it's so not it's as widely accepted here as it is in in other more you know liberal areas sure yeah yeah i can't imagine um but <laughs> again i'm not gonna jump ahead but i'm glad that uh, <laughs> i'm glad that it's starting to spread a little bit because yeah. then cool stories happen man uh where have you been then up until the point that you get to steven's point um Outside so, of the state, did, did you travel at all? Well, I did a semester of college right out of high school, but I didn't finish it. That was the first time that I really felt that what I was doing with my life mm-hmm. was for someone else. Okay. I was, I was doing it for my father Yeah. Be, because it was expected of me and, and not necessarily what I wanted. Like, I tacked my interests onto it because mm-hmm. I think I thought that would make it, you know, more tolerable to go through, but it, it really didn't. I struggled with some uh, some mental issues as well, depression going through that, which was exacerbated by my my feelings of obligation to the point where I, I stopped going to classes and didn't even finish out the semester. So I wanna ask about that and, and you don't have to tell me anything you don't want to and if you do Disclose anything, and then you decide you don't want that on the tape, we can cut it out. Okay. But um, do you think that that uh, was a response to your parents, or do you think that your, your, well, specifically your father kind of pushing you in a direction you didn't want to go, did that aggravate the depression? Chicken or the egg is what I'm asking. It's hard to know. I struggled with depression and anxiety throughout my middle and high school years, mm-hmm. um, but... Which is common. I mean, that's the age, you know, that Um, it manifests for everybody. I I had a pretty extreme case there for a while. I was almost impossible to function. And I was dealing with some medical issues on top of that. Yeah. um, From an earlier surgery that would cause me, like, periodic pain. But, uh, no, I... I was suspended from from the university here for not showing for up not enough showing or... up. yeah no. but i didn't care it was it was like oh I, I guess i'm not doing what i'm what i'm obligated to do oh well it's almost like you stop and the world keeps going and you're watching it in slow motion and but you're helpless to be t- yeah. involved <laughs> you're helpless to participate and it's going slower than it ever has you know it's like it's you're just watching every day is a year 
You know? <laughs> you know, it's a strange thing to describe to people, but yeah, when you say, you know, like I couldn't go to class and I didn't care when they suspended me, it's like, like you don't really have. If you're in that space, it's hard to see it any other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at, at, after that point, I was like, okay, what do I do now? I guess I just, I go get a job. I, I moved out of my parents' place, mm-hmm. and I, I worked oh, a couple of different things. Joanne's Fabric, Target, um, a Road Ranger, which was awful. Um, I eventually ended up at Walgreens, and I was there from... I started in 2012, and I was mm-hmm. there for a year and a half. And... I got comfortable. I was very good at my job, but over time it really started to dawn on me that I was just, again, doing what I was expected to do and not necessarily what I wanted to do. This Was, was it what... your dad again, or was this no. more like an internal voice saying you should get a job? Because I, I had separated myself from, from my family for the most part. I was Oh, so you weren't even communicating, really? Not so much. So you're totally independent at this point. Yeah. And this is what age? Um... I was 19. So you're 19, and you you got suspended from school, at which point, or maybe shortly before, you realize, you know, this is not what I want yeah. to be doing anyways, and then something is still guilting you into doing things I, you don't want. At that point, I, I pinned my whole feeling of obligation on my, my family and, and my father. Yeah. And I was like, okay, if I separate myself from them, I will be obligation-free, and I can just live my life you know, Sound happy. logic? Like, I see the math? Yeah. I moved out. I got my own apartment, um, lived with my girlfriend, and I got a job at, uh, at Walgreens. Nice. And I was, I was good at it, and I got lots of praise for it. And it was great for a while, but over time, it, it, it got stale, and I, I, I came to this realization that I wasn't happy again because it wasn't what I wanted to do, but it wasn't my dad who was you know, expecting this of me anymore. When did you get yourself out of the funk? Because if you were in a place where you couldn't be going to classes and you got suspended, how did you find the strength to get work? Because, I mean, I don't know. I'm like maybe I'm I'm projecting, <laughs> you know. Oh, but no, no but I, when I when I pictured that um, position, uh, if I can't even go to the class, I'm not going to work. Well, it was during this period when I was out working. Um, I was under medication for my depression and mm-hmm. I was able to, to get away from a lot of the things about at least my family that were stressing me out. Um, I was actually able to, I guess, overcome, for lack of a better term. No, it's a great term. I was, I was at the point where I could be functional in my life and actually be happy with my own existence. And that happened after the suspension? Yes. So how long? Um, and what changed? Well, actually, I got another surgery to fix my earlier medical issues, so mm-hmm. I wasn't experiencing pain on a regular basis, which okay. helped. Yeah. Um, and that was that spring following my suspension. And after that, I spent the better part of a year on a medication mm-hmm. with a psychiatrist to help manage my anxiety and depression. And after a while, I got really well adjusted, and I was like, I want to try to get off the meds. So in between, there's a year of like kind of recovery and self. Um... Yeah, and I was working. At, this is when I was going, you know, in and out of jobs and trying to find. Some oh, and you're still mind. working. Yeah, okay. I'm still working. I need to. So the drive to get out of the house and get your own place was enough to pull you out of. The... Yes. Right. Well, that'll yes. do it. That'll light a fire. See, it, it's 
it's all about determination. You you have to want to get better or you won't get better. And I was I at agree. the point where I was like, if I'm going to have a good life, I need to I need to want this. And so after that point, it, it was nothing but determination. Yeah. To push through and get to the point where... There's a very be. real aha moment. Yes. Uh, where you're just like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, and it, people ask me all the time, like, oh, how, what was your turning point? Mm. I have no idea. I can't remember... The, the trigger the, that facilitated my aha moment. Yeah. I just remember one day, I was just like, why don't I just cooperate with the psychiatrist and, you know... It's because you, you run out of reason. You run out of, like, uh, uh, ideas of how to avoid it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You run out of, like, other ways. Like, maybe if I take this pill, that'll be the magic button. Like, to avoid the yeah. work involved. But it it's work and it sucks but you have to have that moment like like no I want this and it's okay and I have yeah. the fire to do the things I need to do and it may have helped that I didn't have a crutch to fall back on I didn't I didn't have any vices like you know smoking or drinking or any other substances like that it makes it a lot harder yeah I mean that's not a secret but again people are looking for the button yeah. maybe and, it'll be and nothing easy. against people who do that I, no I, I didn't yeah I, I, I feel a lot of sympathy for them because it makes it so much harder it does. It makes it harder. Um, you know, recreational drug use is it's a whole separate topic. Mixed yeah. with depression, it is always a bad thing. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're treating it as medicine, it's not gonna be <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, no, when it comes to that, it's it's absolutely useless. It shouldn't be used. Was a great this is actually a James L. Brooks line. <laughs> it's not mine. <laughs> but uh the line was uh, drink to feel drink can be X, so put anything there. Yeah. Drink to feel even better, not to feel better. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Never drink to feel better. Drink to feel even better or something like that. It was in, um, what was that movie? It was really good. How Do You Know? I recommend it if you oh, haven't okay. seen it. Cool. I love James L. Brooks. Anyways, back to you, not movies. So that's how I communicate. I just talk about movies. So, yeah, I, I got quote unquote better. Mm-hmm. I, I worked at Walgreens and I, it dawned on me that I was still feeling an obligation and not for my father but kind of from society itself. Who represents society to you? It's this kind of ungraspable entity. It is, it is, like, I'll go into the city sometimes, just any amorphous city. Yeah. And I'll just kind of feel it in the air. Feel what? That you have to... like, Like the... The pressure of society, or I guess the eyes of society. It's this kind of omniscient being, in a way, where I, I, I feel watched. If you're, you're, I understand the feeling of being watched, but do you feel judged? Because when you say obligation, I feel like the pressure, like that. Oh, the, absolutely. So, what is it that you think, only because, only because I want to see if this is people in your life, if this is just uh, people, just strangers in the street, or if if it's from internal, if you feel like you don't fit in, I'm trying to see where this obligation is coming mm-hmm. from. Because I agree, society does push that agenda, but I don't I don't see it here. I'm not saying it's not there. I'm just trying to see where it's coming from. Yeah, and it's it's not necessarily that like society is a bad guy or no, or no, no I didn't like mean that. that. It I just, and I think I have kind of a weird. Perspective, I guess. Those are the valuable ones, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because everybody has the same perspective. It's not interesting. Okay, I don't know where it came from, but I'll, 
on occasion I'll be walking down the street and I'll have somebody else walking towards me on the sidewalk. I don't know this person. They, they have no interest in me, but I'm walking and I'm thinking, oh God, where are my eyes supposed to be in this situation? Am I supposed to look down? Am I supposed to look forward? Do mm-hmm. I make eye contact? Do I avoid it? If I avoid it, are they, you know... This is a very common thing, I think. Yes. Yeah. But I didn't realize it at the time. I thought I was a, I was a loner. I thought that I was a dysfunctional member of society and being judged harshly by everyone around me for it. Yeah. Uh, which was not true at the time. No. Well, I don't... At the time. I don't well, think even <laughs> still. I don't think... <laughs> <laughs> well. But uh, I don't know if that was a product of my own anxiety that was still latent with me. Because... When you have depression and anxiety, that stuff doesn't get cured. It never no. goes away. No, you learn to deal. And exactly. You learn to minimize like the impact, and you learn to coexist yeah. with it. I, I have depression to this moment, but I, I just know how to deal. Yeah. And it's, it's not a, a one-and-done, oh, you just realize how to do it. It is a process, and I am still working on it. It's that a is... whole lot of acceptance. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? It's like 80% acceptance, which is the hardest thing. <laughs> it's like, that's like, no, I can't just accept this won't go away. Fuck yeah. you. It's going to get better. It's like, <laughs> and like, and that's a good thing to strive for. I'm not saying not to do that. I'm not saying to be a sourpuss. But it is like coping and, um, and letting things be as they are instead of fighting things that can't be. Oh, yes. Or obsessing over things that will never be. That's not, that's not a path to... To any kind of betterment. That's a path to madness, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my feeling of obligation, I guess, it, it wasn't really well-defined for me at the time. I was just kind of feeling... Um, my life was small and stifling and kind of empty. I, I didn't feel like I was the one making the choices. I felt like these were all choices that were expected of me to, to make. I wasn't making anything for myself. These weren't, you know, conscious decisions. This isn't something that I created for myself. And that felt kind of disheartening. Where I'm, I'm just going through the motions. It's just a cookie-cutter life. Just working down at the Walgreens, doing the same thing day after day. And I, I, I got sick of it. I wanted something, something new. Something that I could say, I did that. That was me and no one else. So I, I looked into alternate lifestyles. Well, walk me through that. What is it when you, when you say looking into alternate lifestyles? Is that being open to things you've heard of? Or you're like on the search for what is something new? Or well, on the, uh, definitely on the search. And I, I had grown up, you know, out in nature. Mm-hmm. And I, I'd always been very fond of this idea of sustainability and self-sufficiency. Yeah. And, you know, I watched the movie Into the Wild and I'm just like, I could do that. I could go live in the wild. That Sean Penn movie? That, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember. That was a true story. It was a book, too. Yeah. I didn't read the book. Did you read it? I did, after I saw the film. How was it? How was the book? It was much better than the film. That's what people tell <laughs> me. That's what people tell me. I would mostly, like to mostly revisit it. Mostly because of the, the ending. Okay. The movie was 
really well made. Mm-hmm. But the ending, it wasn't even the way he truly died. No? No. They just picked the, the like, most cinematically, oh my god, scary way for right. him to die. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's kind of but, a bummer. No, it's still one of my, one of my favorite movies. I, I love it. It was moving, and I, I enjoy movies like that as well, that follow, as you say, an alternative lifestyle. But any movie on the road, I'm a big, I, I mm-hmm. love tra- the travel film, um, probably for a number of reasons, but it's just, it's yeah. feels, it, it feels good, you know, no, touches I, me differently. I spent years romanticizing about a lifestyle like that, where I just hit the road or go into some woods that no one ever goes into. Yeah. Just, subsist but uh it really wasn't to be i why not i really just didn't have the logistics to go along with it i i i it was an all or nothing situation for me Mm -hmm. i didn't want to hit the road and and do like what into the wild was I wanted to like cut myself off. Of You're doing your society. thing. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't want to do his thing. This is into Kevin's wild. I wanted to do my thing. Yeah. And it's just like, well, how does that happen? So that that wasn't the thing. But I looked into like getting into what they call intentional communities. Okay. Um, also, a lot of people call them communes, where it is a community of people get together under their own philosophies and morals to to live out the lifestyle that they've cultivated into what they've wanted for their lives right um, and not what you know Uncle Sam tells them to do um, so what what's the goal of some of these like is it just to be off the grid or is are they providing something that isn't provided in a regular I shouldn't say regular community but a more traditional community yeah and it really depends on the community I was I was looking at all kinds of communities around the country mm-hmm. um, they have websites and stuff they have websites and the one I finally decided to go with was called East Wind uh, based out of Missouri and they had <laughs> I finally most... decided I'm sorry it's like it's like you're picking a cruise <laughs> it's like well, we looked at them all <laughs> we, we read all, the reviews no. <laughs> they had the most beautiful website okay yeah <laughs> like, whoever does their web design kudos on them because it, it oh, big really... plug to what's the name of this commune uh, East Wind East Wind's web designer <laughs> big plug big ups big for plug, him yeah. or her whoever that, that is that's what made them stand out to me because they <laughs> They had this whole really easy-to-use website, really colorful, really okay. engaging, and they had their whole list of bylaws uh-huh. on the, the website for anyone to read. The bylaws? Yeah. Like so their, like, uh, their... But this is their Ten Commandments? Kind of. It's like their constitution. What, okay. um, what, what they... Like their mission statements and what they expect from people who want to join their community and yeah. the, the kind of nitty-gritty rules for... Their whole operation. Operation. Yeah. Walk me through yours, please. Tell me about this one. Well, this one, um, it's 40 years old. Okay. At the time that I went there, it's, it's older now. But uh, they had been established for a long time. Um, they were based on uh, self-sufficiency, like mm-hmm. growing all your own food and all, harvesting all of your own lumber and just living in the Ozarks of Missouri Mm -hmm. um, without a lot of dependence on, on, you know, money. They they just wanted to 
do what they had to do physically in order for them to survive and not have to, you know, work nine to five to, uh, you know, get paid by someone so that they could pay for groceries. And they wanted to cut out the middleman. Do you, um, I mean, do they just let anybody come? Because you're offering labor. You don't, you're not paying anything. You're not. You're just going there and offering labor in exchange for, for community. Yeah, exactly. So what, you just show up, or is there a list, or do they do they vet any of these people and ask, like, are you they a murderer? A, what do they do? They have a whole process um, online. Uh-huh. They have an application for you to fill out. I would Yeah, they'd have to if they're any um, kind of legitimate, which I don't think communes are. But like, all, <laughs> all your basic information, um, you know, how old you are, where you've been, that, that kind of stuff. Likes, dislikes, exactly. favorite films. <laughs> and then they have like a couple of essay prompts. Essay prompts. Yes. It, it is very close to like the application I had to do to get into this university. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is not something I, I would have ever thought I of. I <laughs> cannot for the life of me remember what the essay prompts were. How do you forget? But uh, Were they pretty normal then? They couldn't have oh, been yeah. that weird. It, like... What do Would you, you do on your summer vacation? No, it was like, um, it was very much geared towards, oh, what can you contribute to community mm-hmm. in, you know, at, at East Wind? What, what did you say that you contributed? Um, Strong this back? Was, this was so long ago, man. And me, me and essays, yeah. after I write them, I forget them. I'm just trying to figure, like, what would I would say? What I would say. Like, if somebody asked me, what can I contribute to this community? I'd be like, what the fuck do you mean? Like... I'll do whatever you want. I think I, if it was me now doing it again, I think I would really hone in on my. Would you uh, do it again? My, my interest in sustainability. Like, mm-hmm. I want to contribute to this. Right. And, uh, and this was even before I had an interest in plants. I I don't even have an. Interest oh, you still in hate plants, plants yet. right I still now. Still hate plants. They're still your enemy. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll work on the ranch. I like animals. So um, yeah, would you do it again? Would you go back? To a commune, maybe not that one. Perhaps, yeah. not that one. Okay. Um, and for reasons, I'll, I'll I'll get into it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I but... I keep interrupting no, you because no, no I'm just fast. I'm so fascinated. But tell your story. I'll listen for a while. After the application is submitted, yeah. they print them off and they post the applications up in like the common areas uh, <laughs> for right. the for the. I think they had seventy four people at the community at the time I applied, and people can go and read my whole application. And then they have a, a meeting every month. And uh, if they have any applications, they'll, they'll go over it and, and be like, hey, if anybody has a problem with this person coming to visit, say now, and, and we, won't let them, we won't let them come. And there, there has to be like enough votes for them not to allow people in. And most people at, the, at this particular community didn't really care. They, they get actually visitors on a regular basis. I was there with four or five other visitors. Oh, good, yeah. I mean, I'd be terrified to go alone, I think. The yeah. first time, not but knowing anything about it. That's I, awesome that they have open door I policy. didn't know there were going to be other visitors. But have you brought time. your own, though, right? Like, you brought visitors with you? No. Oh, I thought you said you were going no, no, no. in with, like, your friends or something. No, no, no. I, I just applied, and I was ready to go there solo. I didn't even realize there would be other visitors until I got there. Oh, and these man. other visitors from, like, from like other parts of the country, there was even someone who got a green card from Canada to come. Oh, you're saying you're a visitor at this point? Yes, I'm. I'm a sorry. I thought you meant like you came in, like you're now a member, and you brought oh, no, people no. with you to be like, hey, to, to start that whole <laughs> process because they're they're pretty exclusive as to. That's what I thought. Who, yeah. Who's actually a member? 
there. See, I should just listen. No, no, no worries. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess nobody, nobody had a huge problem with me coming, and uh, they, they, I got a ride with my brother down to Missouri, and he dropped me off, and that was that. They put me up in one of their uh, visitor lodges. It was a tiny shack with two bunk beds and a loft, and that was it. Nice. Yeah. And it was Sounds great. a bit like a hostel. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah. Oh, it was great until we found out there was a 12-foot snake living underneath. Oh, my God. A nightmare. It's my nightmare. <laughs> big old black rat snake. Oh, my God. It's a good thing I like animals. I'm, yeah, I, I don't. I have no problem with, with snakes, unless they're venomous. And they do have venomous snakes down there. That one yeah, I bet, man. Oh, my God. Uh, First was, day? When did you realize this? Um, so I, I went there in March mm-hmm. of 2014. Okay. And they had had a huge ice storm. Like, How old are you at this point? I am 21. Okay, 21. Actually, no, no, I'm 20, and I had my 21st birthday while I was there. At the commune? At the commune, yes. What was that like? Interesting. I've never put a lot of stock in my own birthday. It's just kind of a regular day to me. So. Me neither, but I was just in the States specifically, because I don't think any other country, to my knowledge, has the 21 drinking age. Yeah. That's a huge deal. It's like a right. Mm-hmm. It's like a very thing. But again, you're very anti-culture right now. Yeah. So who gives a fuck, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Like twenty-one. I don't care. Uh, I'm sorry. Continue. You're in the commune. There's a fucking gnarly snake. You had your twenty-first birthday. It was interesting for what reason? <laughs> Besides the obvious. <laughs> well, <laughs> Besides the obvious their, reasons. Their whole work situation was that on a, on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. every, every person there is kind of expected to work 35 hours per week. Okay, like a normal job. Yeah. What you were going to do was up to you. You do laundry for, you know, three hours a day, that's three hours of labor. You do hard ranch work for three hours a day, that is also three hours of labor. All jobs created equal on, on this front. Was there a dude that did the laundry, like, all the time? And like, oh, didn't yes. touch the ranch? <laughs> like, maybe he did the, a lot of the dishes... <laughs> That actually led to one of the problems that I had with the the community. I can imagine, yeah. Because people would get into these these routines where like they find the job that they enjoy doing and they don't do any other work, mm-hmm. and that kind of led to cliques forming around certain job types. Right. So we had like the people in ranching, and if you wanted to be like go work on the. They range. look at you funny for coming to their club unannounced, yeah, uninvited. Exactly. They get really defensive about all of the work that they're doing because, like, that's their life. Yeah. So you have to be like in with the ranch people in order to work ranch at all. Otherwise, they're like, "No, no, no, dude, you're 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 messing it up. Get out of here." So this is already corroding the sense of community. Exactly. Um, which which kind of struck me as a little hypocritical. Um, so. It, I didn't get to work on a ranch a lot because I wasn't in with those people. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not the most personable guy. I'm, I'm actually rather shy. So. I didn't get that at all, but, um, you know, I, I kind of caught you in your comfort zone, too. Yeah, it's very true. You know? But, uh, no, and there were people who would, like, talk ill of other people because of their, you know, their cliques. It's like, oh, those ranch people, don't, don't trust them. I would get so many people come up to me and be like, oh, watch out for this person. Not in like, oh, they're going to mess you up, but just like, oh, they're, they're kind of weird, or, you know, they're, they're rather rude. And then I, I go and interact with these other people, 
and they're perfectly fine. Yeah. So it was just this kind of lack of a sense of community that, that put me off. That's a shame to hear, man. Yeah. Especially if, it, if it's like, the more you talk about it, the less crazy it sounded. I thought it was more culty, but this is just really a community. Yeah, it, it really is, but they're, they're rather disjointed about it, I guess. Yeah, the that's a thing, shame. The other thing that really uh, uh, put me off was the, the substance abuse. Within the commune? Within the commune, yes. What substances? Um, a big one was alcohol. Okay. I mean, these, these people loved to party. Now, I have nothing against substance use. But the substance abuse was like... These, these people were constantly drunk. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's probably an attraction to a lot of people. Oh, yes. Who are like, shit, I can just work all day on a farm and drink all night and no one's going to tell me otherwise? That sounds like the dream. There was a time in my life it would have sounded like the dream. Maybe mm-hmm. I should have looked into a commune, you know, several years ago. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I the difference of, like, drive of what are you coming here for, you know, I can see how that'd be horrible it's, for someone who just wanted to lay low and kind of live life. And, and it's very hard to work with a person who is constantly either drunk or high. Oh, yeah, you got to... These are your coworkers too. Yes. These aren't just your neighbors. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Jesus. These people are working all the time. And uh, a funny story, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times we'll be working, because they're really hard workers. Don't, don't get me wrong. They, they are hard at work all the time. Yeah. Their, their work ethic is immense. But uh, I'd, I'd be at, like at a workstation working, we'd like, be like cooking or something, and somebody would yell, safety meeting! And people would drop what they're doing and go outside for the safety meeting. Yeah. And they'd all stand in a circle, and they would, uh, they would pass a pipe around. And that was the safety meeting. Okay. Yeah. So there was no meeting. It was just that that was was their bell. That was their bell. The the dinner bell. Excuse to to smoke weed, which was kind of funny. Yeah, I have. I'm going to start using that. (laughs) Safety Safety meeting. meeting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, shit, man. Yeah. So, well, actually, I didn't ask this. Is there somebody in charge? So there are people... I imagine there's a couple, right? It's not just like one dude on top, or else that would be problematic. There are people in administrative roles um, that that kind of facilitate the the workings of the entire community, but nobody ever claimed to be like the leader. Okay. Uh, They were very egalitarian, where... Nobody's job was ever more important than any of anybody else's job. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody had more value than anyone else, and everyone had full access to all of community, um, you know, amenities and a- assets and food and, and whatnot. Um, the only thing that you basically held in your own possession was stuff that you had in your one-room living quarters. So. They they did run meetings and they, they would you know take take a straw poll on on issues and while I was there they actually uh, someone had a drinking problem so bad that they had to kick them out of the community. And at what level is too bad? Not that it matters. I'm just curious. Um, they were making themselves sick mm-hmm. to the point where they they couldn't work and they were also operating vehicles under very strong influence to gotcha. the point where they where they were endangering people. Okay. So that's logical. <laughs> yes, yes. They, they are rather logical. 
I was just curious how much they were going to let someone get away with in a place like that, where it does seem like, you know, well, there's they, no rules. They don't want to be intrusive in each other's lives. Either. Right, yeah, it sounds like to... camp forever. Exactly, you know? yeah. That's why I was wondering, I was like, what does one have to do to get kicked out of summer camp? Yeah, it's... <laughs> like, it's... Pretty good. You have right. to. You have to try. You have to really want it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I I got tired of it. Yeah. I made some friends, but it, it wasn't the lifestyle I wanted. And then I was faced with with a, a choice. What do I do now? Do I go back to regular society and just reintegrate into my my old cookie cutter life? And then I was thinking, why don't I? Why don't I walk? Walk where? See, I didn't know at the time. You just felt like walking. Yeah, but you I just Forrest Gump. You're sitting on your your rocking chair. I knew I wanted. It just a destination. felt like running. Okay. I knew I wanted a destination. I didn't know where it was. How long are you in the commune until you get to this point where you're? That was two months. I spent two full months in the in the commune, March and April. Eight weeks later, you're like something's got to change. It can be what it was before, or something else, and I don't know what. Yeah, and it it just. The idea just came to me and just wouldn't go away. I, I, had to, I had to take a journey. And I eventually was like, you know, I've never been to the Grand Canyon. I've never even been that far west before. So I have a lot of free time. I had money saved up for just such, you know, whatever I, I had decided to do with my search for alternative lifestyles. I was like, it's the middle of the summer. Why don't I, why don't I just do something crazy? Why don't I do something that I can call my own? No one else involved. No community to, to try to integrate into. Just me and the, and the road. And I, I had actually read books before that of people who would like walk coast to coast across you know, America. Really? Yeah. What are some... I would love to check those out. What are, do you remember the authors of some of those? Or uh, one that stuck out to you? Or the title of a the title of one that really I kind of moved on you? My, on my Kindle, actually. On, on my phone. I, I can look them up. Or if you want, I can look them up afterwards. And um, It doesn't matter. Man. We can cut this around. It doesn't matter. Right. You keep talking. You can, you can take a break. We can cut this whole chunk out. But that does sound fascinating. I, um, I love hearing memoirs of travelers. Um, it's it's fascinating to me to hear someone describe firsthand and describe well. You know, a good author yeah. is invo- is important. Not just somebody who travels a lot. You have to be a good author too, but somebody who can really you know paint a picture with with something that very few people will ever see. It's exciting to me. I think one of the act the uh, the author's name was uh, Nick King. Nick King. Yeah, I think that's what his name was. I'll, I'll double. He's check one of that the walkers. One of the walkers. He started on the East Coast and went to the West Coast. I forget where exactly, but... Uh, what was his drive? Just because? Like you? Just like just felt it? or I guess so. And did you read these beforehand, or you had the idea, and then you were I, like, has anybody else done this? I had read these before, kind of in my, um, my romanticizing of just getting out there and doing, doing something. Kind of like the, the Into the Wild thing, where I took inspiration from it, but not... So this is when you're working and you're looking for alternative yeah, lifestyles? Yeah, exactly. And this is, this is... It was kind of my escape at the time. Did you I, stumble on it, or was there something in you that thought, I might want to walk one day? I, I stumbled on it. It's just such a... I mean, it's cool that it was seated. You know, you read the book and the idea is seated in your head. Because it's just such a, such a specific shore to uh, arrive on. Yeah. 
So the, the first book that I read was called Life on Foot, A Walk Across America by Nate Dom with two M's, D-A-M-M. Okay. That was the first one you read that or your favorite? That was the first one that I, that I read, and I, I, I loved him. He, he, he's a good writer. He, he's got a lot of, of comedy. He's really easy to read, and it gave me a, a lot of escapism, I guess. I, this, this was before I had ever even like considered doing a walk like that. Yeah. But I, I enjoyed just you know reading the book and, and feeling like I'm on the road with, with Nate Dom. Yeah. Uh, I read another one. Which one was it? By Men or By the Earth. What's that? Um, it's a guy who basically went through law school, hated every second of it, mm-hmm. and decided, hey, after I'm done, I'm just going to walk across country. So he, he took his dog. His name is Tyler Coulson. Took his dog. He took awesome. his dog, and he just walked coast to coast. Tyler Coulson, By Men or By the Earth. That's awesome, man. So there's there's a, several accounts. Yeah. And then uh, you're doing yours. I yeah, and I actually used these accounts mm-hmm. when I was preparing for my walk because I I wasn't gonna just up and and one day just promise you know, to just anticipate. Hit the road and I I needed to prepare. I yeah. needed a plan. Have you always been like that? A little, yeah. Yeah. That's good. You're a nature man. That's why. Yeah. So I I actually went home to my parents' place. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived with them for just a couple of weeks so that I could get gear and stuff together. And it, it was my plan to start my walk from my childhood home in Deerfield, Wisconsin. Oh, so you went backwards. I went backwards. Just I, to do it. You didn't start where you were. You were like, no, I'm going to do this right. No, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to start where I, I think I should start because that's, that's kind of my beginning. Yeah. It's, it's a place where I, I came from, but I'm not particularly comfortable with anymore i i wanted to i guess it was sort of a metaphor for getting away from that part of my life and into something new you're creating an arc and you're like i want to physically experience leaving this place exactly i get it man i really do there's something about going back to your roots in a journey of like transition Mm -hmm. where you're like let me start where it started and show myself that i've grown with this walk. Let this, let this walk manifest my progress. I love it. Yeah. So yeah, I uh, went home. I looked for all kinds of supplies. I knew that I would have to walk across the desert mm-hmm. eventually to get there. So I was like... How did you decide on the Grand Canyon, too? I don't think I asked you that. You, know, you said you'd never been. I'd never been. And it was, it was one of those things that I, I had on my bucket list. Like... You know, when I'm old enough and I saved up enough money and I have the gumption, I'll just drive out there and see it. And I was like, well, wouldn't it be so cool if I just walked there? Yeah. No gas on feet. Yeah. And I I thought that would make that whole, uh, just seeing the Grand Canyon experience that much richer of an experience as a result. So to the Grand Canyon, I, I embarked. Uh, I, I, went, I went to garage sales beforehand looking for just supplies. I wanted a cart. Okay. Because um, I wasn't going to carry enough water on my back to get across the desert eventually, and I didn't want to have to find a way to carry water, you know, halfway down my journey yeah. and, you know, trying to coordinate finding tools. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to start with a cart. Okay. Put all my stuff in there and, and push it. 
Um, what's all your stuff? Not to get into the details of it, but what's like the major things? You're like, I need this, this, and this. I need uh, food, rain gear. Um, the bulk of it really mm-hmm. was the jugs of water that I would need. Okay. Because I, I, I budgeted for at least a gallon a day. And there are stretches of the desert where you will go nearly a week in between civilizations. I don't even like driving long yeah. distances through the desert. Because if something goes wrong, I'm like, I'm fucked. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't imagine walking through the desert, bro. They write songs about how dumb that is. But, you know. So I, I found at a garage sale yeah. one of those, like, um, carts for kids that they pull behind a bicycle. Right. They, they're like... Hitch it on the back, and they put the kid back in, and he's got, like, the sun visor. And right, yeah. Whatever. I was like, yeah, I could outfit that to, to carry gallons of water. So I, like, bought a, a shelving unit from, like, Home Depot, and ha- I had him cut it to size for the bottom. So this is, a, this is not just, like, you're not a, it's not an impulse. You are drastically throwing everything you have into this project, and it's oh, yes. massive, and it is like it's I, not like oh, I mean, how much water do I need a day? It's you went into I, this. I was doing calculations. I actually, before I even left, I went to, um, I think it was Walmart or somewhere where I could get a bunch of food mm-hmm. that I would like theoretically readily have access to at regular intervals along my my walk. Yeah. So I bought things that I knew I would be able to get at a regular on a regular basis and I formulated my own trail mix that would meet all of my nutritional needs <laughs> oh my god um, especially calorie wise because uh, on a regular day a person can burn you know 2,500 calories just right. not doing anything and I'll be walking you know super long distances every day I, I was calculating for like 8,000 calories a day Wow, I mean, like, I sound astonished, but I shouldn't be. Like, this is what it would take to survive something yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, you can't, like, I'll, I'll stop at Taco Bell. So <laughs> you I know, a... like, after a day of not eating, <laughs> I'm like, I should probably eat something. Like, you, you made, uh, to quote, you formulated your own yeah. trail mix. It's brilliant. And it, it was based on the, like, container sizes that I would likely, likely get to, and I would, like, mix them into a large, yeah. huge container where I just, I, oh, I need one jug of peanuts and put it in there and, like, a bag of banana chips. And, and you're getting these, you say, from the books, like, the authors have, like, laid out, like, hey, this was a problem for us, and then you're like, oh, well, then I should do this to it, fix yeah, that. But the, the trail mix was, was of my own design. That's basically. what makes it yours. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, you're, that's what separates. That's what makes it Kevin's walk. Exactly. And I, I supplemented it with, uh, you know... I just had a jar of peanut butter. I didn't have any bread. I just brought a jar of peanut butter yeah. and a spoon. Yeah. That was that was quick calories. Mm-hmm. Um, beans? You do beans? Every morning I would eat two packs of Pop-Tarts just to oh. get the calories Jesus. to jumpstart my day. The sugars and the calories. I'm just really? like, let's go. How much calories in a Pop-Tart? Um, was it 200 per actual tart? So each packet had 400, 400? and I had 800 just to start out my day. Oh my gosh. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you've got that down. So I've got that down. I I planned everything out to yeah. a T. Like I you I know exactly to. what yeah. I'm gonna do when I go out. And there's the, as long as I do it, I'll be on on schedule and, and I'll reach my goal. How long is prep? I took 
just a little under a month. Oh, that's real prep. Okay. And yeah. what is everyone saying to you? So, you can imagine at first my, uh, my parents are, are a little concerned. Yeah. A little weird about <laughs> yeah. Why, why would you do this? You've got such a good job. Like, you were doing so well at Walgreens. Why would you throw it away? And this is post-commune, though. You've already come back from the commune. Exactly. And then you tell them this news. They're like, finally, he's yeah, back. And you're like, was. by the way, <laughs> go for they, a They walk. were afraid I was going to die at the cult. You know? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then this happened. My, my dad's mom, my mm. grandmother, she was convinced that I was going to die. Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you, buddy. If, I, if this was happening and like I was your friend and I heard about this, I'd be your biggest cheerleader. I would think it's the most badass thing I'd ever heard yeah. of. I'd also think it's probably the last time I'm going to see this motherfucker. <laughs> He's probably going to die. She, she literally spent the, the few weeks that she knew about it stomping around and, and like trying to convince the rest of my family to force me not to go because I was committing suicide. Wow. Yeah, I mean, like, I get it, though. Again, it's oh, like, yeah. I, poor lady's scared. I, you know, if you were just roaming around, if you're like, I'm going to go walking, that would be more, like, I would be less concerned than someone saying, I'm going to walk to the Grand Canyon. Because mm-hmm. if anything goes wrong, like, that's where his head's at. He's just going to keep going, you know? Like, you're yeah. going to ignore what's good. For, I would be worried, too. I wouldn't guarantee, like, I wouldn't be oh, as worried I about, about I mean, Grandma. But I totally see where she's coming from. I'm sure she's never even heard of people doing such a thing before. Yeah. Yeah. But as as I did prep and I, as I like got all of my stuff and, and had all of these justifications that I explained to my family of why I needed this and you know what I was going to do in certain situations, it, they, for the most part, finally realized that this was something that I was fully prepared for and could actually succeed at. And I, I actually got the most... So you convinced su- them with your preparedness. Exactly. I, I think I got the most support from my, my mother's parents. Yeah? Yeah, my, my grandparents. They were all for it. That's so cool, man. Uh, they were the ones who were like taking me out to the stores to you know, like go in garage sale to garage Doesn't sale. Doesn't that mean the, the right world? And, just yeah. the support. It was you know? so good. The emotional support. Not even like finance. Like just... Absolutely. I'm, I'm so grateful. Just, just for that. So, and I was scared too. Oh yeah, of course. But you're more excited. Yeah, you know? it was a, it was a healthy mix of both. I'll, I think I'll, it I'll always that. is. I think yeah. people assume that you do things that you do things without fear just because you want to do them and you weren't forced. Yeah. But no, fear is part of it. You know, it's what makes it exciting. If there's no fear, it wouldn't be a task. It wouldn't be your Kevin walk. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, when it came down to it, I made uh, a Google Maps route of exactly where I would be going, mm-hmm. which, which roads and stuff, because there's not, believe it or not, there is not a trail that leads from my house in Deerfield straight to the, to the Grand Canyon. There should be now. There <laughs> should have your name on it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I made this whole Google Maps thing, just like, this is the way it's going to go, and I actually used their like functionality where you can say, oh, I'm walking through this area, I'm right. driving. And, right. Um, and I printed them all off. I had hard copies, and and I even, I made a PDF of everything and I put it on my, what was then an iPod Touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, I was going to bring that along. 
and I had a, a, a solar panel, just it's a small one. It was like a oh, book. Oh, brilliant, fold yeah. it out, and I could put that on my cart, and that was enough to charge both my phone and my iPod t- Touch. Oh, so you had a phone on you and everything. Yeah, I had a phone for emergencies. Nice. Well, I mean, that's smart, but yeah. I didn't, I just didn't think it would be an option. Like No, I, I it was just like a clamshell, like one of those flip phones. Yeah. And I, was, I was able to text my my parents every night to tell them where, you know, I was generally going to uh, to sleep for the night right. that I was okay. Every night you talked to them? Uh, when, whenever I, I had the ability to. There were definitely some stretches where I had no reception. Right, yeah, they, they it were, happens. They would just have to live with the fact that I, I couldn't contact them. I almost prefer that. I almost, I'd like... I, 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 there were days when I, I would even go without. Yeah, it's like I'm doing my thing. Yeah. Like, you miss human contact, I get that, but, like, I don't want to be badgered. Like, let me do my thing. Let me do my three-month walk. Exactly. <laughs> so, I, so I started. I, I had all my, all my things together, and uh, it was, like, June 22nd or something like that. Mm-hmm. And my, my, I did it at a time when my parents were at work, and brother was out and it was just me they left me and, and it was you didn't tell him you weren't like today's the day I, I told him today's the day but oh, okay. uh, I, I didn't give them enough warning where they could take off of work that would have been pretty punk rock if you just like <laughs> left a note on the fridge no but I, I I wanted to start my my journey alone I mean I guess that it's not like they couldn't catch up to you. Exactly. <laughs> they could just be like, oh, shit, six hours ago. <laughs> we should, maybe we can catch him down the street. <laughs> and my first, my first destination was a, uh, a state park. Smart, yeah. Hit the parks, go camping. Yeah, it was 13 miles away. So I, I walked 13 miles that first day. So I, started, I, I started out, I walked down my driveway, and it was so surreal. Yeah. It was like, where am I right now? Nothing, nothing was familiar, even though I, was, I had grown up there. It's different, man. It's different because it's like, I I, or I equate it to riding a bicycle. You yeah. ride a bicycle, it's like a whole different world, even though you're riding up and down your same street. It's just you're looking at it differently. And mm-hmm. in your case, you're looking at it differently, but also knowing this is chapter one. Absolutely. You know, it's a very different mindset when you're like, oh, this is the first step of this trip. You know, it's like, even though it's your doorstep, you've seen a million times, you've never seen it like this today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, I thought it was going to be more of a... Oh, suddenly I turn down the street and I'm no longer in familiar territory. But uh, it, it was kind of a gradient. As I got farther away from my childhood home, things got just a little bit progressively less and less familiar to me. Mm-hmm. To the point where I, I was in new territory and didn't even realize it. Yeah. It, it, the, the walk became kind of my thing. It, I was okay with it before too long. How long? When it becomes just, that's part of your day. A week, oh. a month? A couple weeks. I was, I was in it within maybe a day or two. Fuck me. A day, two, yeah. and you're just like, it this was, is my life. It was great. I was like, this <laughs> that's is it, a, man. That's awesome, dude. I got to, uh, I got to Lake Kiganza State mm-hmm. Park, and I... That was 13 miles down the road. I, had, I didn't do any 
actual physical preparation for this. I didn't do any practice walks. I didn't get myself all your prep shape. work. You didn't. You didn't no, 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 hop no. on a treadmill. No. Oh Jesus, I did, bro! I did one, one practice walk where I did like six miles just to test out my new shoes. Oh wow! And that was it. Just to test out my, the shoes. Yeah. So my my whole, I guess, mindset behind that was that human beings are designed to walk. And as I walk more, I will get conditioned on the road. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it worked out. I was dead at the end of my first day, let me tell you, 13 miles to Lake Kiganza State Park. And that is a hilly area. We have drumlins out here. Wow. Those are, those, this is landscape that was carved by glaciers. It is not flat, <laughs> let me tell you. But, uh, no, it, it, it was awful, but felt good at the same time, where I was like, I felt accomplished. Yeah. I did the first leg of my, of my trip. I got a, a campsite at the state park. And yeah. I, I went to sleep. Woke up the next day, and she's like, okay, I guess we're, we're packing up. And uh, I brought a tent with me, so... You'd have to, right? I yes. mean, you got to. And I got this really cool, expensive, uh, I think it's Swedish tent where... Uh, I hope you got the most badass tent available, <laughs> like, knowing this. You deserve a good tent, bro. I spent a lot of money on this tent, and I still have it to this day. It good. Is, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world, man. Too many memories on it, too. Uh, yeah. And this, the way this thing is, it operates, it, it's so smart. The, uh, the rain fly, mm-hmm. which usually you would set up the tent and then throw the rain fly over and stake that down too, it all just comes up as one. So you just you put the stakes in it, mm-hmm. and just like the stakes go into the rain fly, and the inner part of the tent is just suspended from. It's just like an easy up, huh? Yeah. So you just like put two poles in it, stake it down, you're good. Perfect. And this thing is a four season tent, so this thing can like take a beating. Yeah. So that was, that was great. Um, I'd pack that up, that's another one of the main things in my. In your cart? space in my cart and I, I set out the next day I think I did 11 miles that that day um, the second day was brutal not because of the walking but because of the the areas I walked through especially at the end of the day because I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to, to sleep at campsites you know at the end every of every time day. yeah um because I knew my route, but I didn't plan out each destination at the end of each day. Right, yeah, I, where you had to wind up. I didn't know how long I was going to go. Um, and one of the methods that the people who had walked across the country before me, the people who I'd read the books of, um, they would go up to people's houses uh, when it would get you know to the end of their, their walking. They would knock on the door and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. Um, would you mind if I, uh, I put up my tent on your property for the night and I'll be gone in the morning? And uh, a lot of them got mixed results from that and they would have to yeah. go you know, to multiple doors to find someone. But there's usually a fairly reliable way to do things. Just takes one, right? Yep. Just takes exactly. one to say yes. And I had never done that before. Well, was, you had said that you're kind of uh, uh, shy. So yeah, that would be... Is that a, any kind of anxiety? Is that a difficult thing, knocking on doors? Oh, and yes, just building up the courage to walk up someone's driveway. Man. Yeah. Especially, you know, after walking all day, I'm, I'm, I haven't showered, I'm, I'm you yeah. know, dirty. And, but, uh, no, I was, that my second day, I was, I was walking 
through these like countrysides where it was like huge mansion houses mm-hmm. set back in like 500 foot driveways and the whole roadway was like uh, lined with barbed wire fences to say private property do not enter yeah and I'm like okay well my prospects are probably not the greatest Low. here yeah. <laughs> um, and as I walk it's just nothing but that yeah and it's getting towards the end of the day and I finally get up to one that's like closer to the road and I can see like this person and their neighbor like out on their front lawn talking to each other mm-hmm. I was like alright this is my opportunity I can actually like approach someone and, and ask so I did and they I'm just like you know I'm I try to be as polite as possible when I, when I do this and I, I approach them really you're a very polite person I, I'm sure it comes across on tape but yeah. just in case it doesn't a very courteous polite <laughs> and individual I, I always try to make it really apparent that I, I don't want to put them out and they can decide whatever they, they want and, and it's, yeah. it's no bother on me if, if they're uncomfortable with me doing yeah, just this just putting this out there you know, yeah. And uh, they weren't happy that I was even like on their street. They were like, "Why are you here? Why do you have to be here? Like, there's no, there's no room for you here. We just like go, please." Like they, they weren't rude to me, but you could see that it, it was really making them uncomfortable. Like, yeah, this is something they had never seen before. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's, they say it's human nature to fear what you don't understand, um, which, unfortunately, is probably more often than not true. But, yeah, I think, I would hope that if that happened to me, like, somebody confronted mm-hmm. me about it, like, I, it would, I'd pro- I would like to think I'd offer them a, to come in, <laughs> you yeah. know? But, but yeah, it's like, I can totally see that happening a high percentage of the time. People mm-hmm. are like, what do you mean? Just confused and fearful were you scared? Did you feel like they were just more scared of you? or I was... In situations like that where there's kind of like a conflict or a tension about it? I never felt that they had any like ill intent towards me. I mm-hmm. didn't have any fear of them other than my you know, base, an- base anxiety around just talking to people. Right. Uh, but no, they were just kind of mostly confused and kind of uncomfortable with... I could tell that they were uncomfortable with the yeah. situation. Where I was like, okay, well, thanks for your time. I'll just get out of your hair. Was that the only time it was really a problem? I imagine you've had to have had a countless bad encounters were, with people knocking door to door. There were encounters with, with, with people kind of like that. Yeah. Um, and even at the end of this day, I didn't find a place. I kept walking, and there's barbed wire. I was, I was getting to the point where I was resigned to having to um, stealth camp. Yeah. Where I would, you know, hide my stuff and yeah. pitch my tent where no one can see me and just like survive the night, you know. But you must that, have had to do that several times, right? Oh yes. Yeah. But not that night. Okay. There was so much barbed wire, like I couldn't find access to woods to save my life. Oh, wow. It was crazy. So I, I walked and I walked and the sun went down and I kept walking to just find somewhere. Something. Um, to the point where I, I actually walked to, uh, I forget the name of the town, just a, a smaller town, kind of like, like Deerfield was, maybe a little bit bigger. But I got into town and as I came into town, it was like bar close, two in the morning. And I, I, was, I was so at my wit's end, like, I need to find a place. And uh, one of the guys coming out of the bar, he was like, 
hey, what are you doing? Because he was, like, interested in, in yeah. what I was doing. Because crazy. Who's, like, pushing a cart in the middle of the night, you yeah. know, in rural Wisconsin? So I told him, and he's like, oh, that's really cool. And uh, he, he'd been a local for years and years. He's like, yeah, we have a park in town here. Most people don't know, but uh, you're actually allowed to, uh, to, to camp out there. Just in this, in this public park. Yeah. He's like, yeah, go, go pitch your tent anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought this was a story about the guy's going to give you a place to stay. I thought he was going to no, let you like, come over and sleep like, in a house. Yeah, I, I don't have much in, in the way of, of to give you. He's like, I own a one-room studio. And oh, he was saying that yeah, his means... He, he, so he was yeah. saying, I would. He would, yes. Gotcha. Yes, he was okay. very friendly. He's cool. like, I would put you up if I could, but I really don't have... That's a dick move to come up. Oh, it's so cool. You know there's a park. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. He, he was very kind. Okay, cool, he, cool. He actually, uh, he had an art gallery. Oh, wow. Place, and he, he let me in there to show me just all of his, his art pieces. Most of them were actually photography that he, wow. he took. Um, he, and he showed me all like the famous people... That he took pictures of, mm-hmm. framed. It was actually really cool. It was a really nice guy. Yeah, you meet the best people, man, in the most yeah. unlikely places. So I, I, I pitched my tent in the in the park, and I, I got up the next morning, and I was like, man, I didn't get near enough sleep. So I, I napped. Yeah, sleep in. Hey, it's yeah. legal apparently. You just park, yeah, yeah. camp in this park. Nobody, nobody asked me. You know, what are you doing here? Yes. Yeah. Were you on much of a schedule, or were you like, you know what, this is a cool spot. I'm going to stay here for a minute and check it out. Yeah, I, uh, I was just like, man, I'm tired. I've, I've walked, you know, more than 20 miles in the past two days. Mm-hmm. I need a day off. So I took a day off. Give me the best and worst interaction you had with people either in passersby interested in you in the street or whatever, or that you've had to knock on for... Whoever. What was the best and worst individual experience with a person? Mm-hmm. Not with the nature. I want to talk about that too, oh, though. Oh, yes. All right. So we'll start, with, we'll start with the best. Okay. In Nebraska. I can't remember the, the city, but I'm, I'm, it, it was one of the, the smaller cities in, mm-hmm. in Nebraska, southern Nebraska. Uh, I was walking towards the city, and I was walking through a construction site. And this guy was like doing the, the slow stop sign to, to, you know, regulate traffic through mm-hmm. there. And I walk past, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? Tell him about my trip. And he's like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. I've always wanted to go to the Grand Canyon, you know. Just tell me all these, these really cool adventures that he would want to take. Yeah. He was really taken with me, and, and just like, that's so amazing. And uh, he, he offered, like, yeah, you know, my mom's place is, is up in town ahead, um, if you want to stop there, I'll uh, I'll put you up. You can you can take a shower. I'll feed you. You're like yeah. I'll I'll, I'll call my mom and tell her you're you're on your way. Just stop by, knock on the door. Here's the address. I'd be horrified. So I was like, but <laughs> but when like, you're oh, in situations okay. like that, you have to grab on to whatever's given. Yeah, and yeah. he was very friendly. Yeah. Um, I I didn't get any kind of bad vibes from him. Um, it, he just seemed like a guy who wanted to to. Do something nice for, for someone. It's so crazy, man. Like, I've had 
several situations just like that. I've stayed with strangers, you know what I mean? They put me up or like somebody will feed me or whatever. I mean, when I'm traveling, when I'm like that, when I'm on a trip, you know what I mean? I'm just kind of aimless, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, I'm more receptive to that. But when I'm, if I'm to re-describe that experience to myself, in a more traditional situation where I'm like, eat, work, sleep, you know what I mean? Yep. Something happens to my mind where I'm like, that's unacceptable. <laughs> you can't be doing that shit. I don't know what it is uh, about what you're doing or where you are, but my acceptance over experiences like that, and I like to think that I'm more and more open the more I'm like aware of the difference. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's like when you're in that mode, you're like, oh my gosh, this is like, totally helpful <laughs> like I would love yeah. a shower and it's I, been weeks by that point I had gotten kind of conditioned to what they call trail angels what's that um, so that's that's an, a term that I've heard a lot from people who do the Appalachian Trail okay uh, where some do-gooders will like take a cooler full of iced water bottles mm-hmm. and they'll put it on the side of the trail and say you know free take one Nice. For okay. All, all the people who are just walking this this trail. Yeah. Um, so I had, I had had people. One of my favorite ones was I, I'm just sitting on the side of the road, just taking a break because you, you got to take breaks, you know. Yeah. Uh, periodically, I was just taking a break, just sitting on the side of the road, and this woman saw me, just sitting on the side of the road, and uh, I didn't know at the time. I finished my break and I started walking again, and she like hunted me down and rolled down her window and she like handed me a foot long subway sub mm. like I saw you sitting there I thought you would need something she just she went out and bought me a whole sub yeah and it was the sweetest thing she didn't know me she didn't even know what I was doing she was just here that's awesome man you just try to pay it forward you know yeah yeah a lot of people I mean <laughs> they, they could use a meal <laughs> You know what I mean? It's just like, uh, it's just a real cool thing. I see that from time to time. I try to do it when I can. But yeah, even just hearing about it mm-hmm. warms my heart. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. And there were so many encounters like that. Mm-hmm. Um, on my third day, I even had somebody pull over in their car, like, hey, are you walking across the country? And I'm like, yeah. It's like, here's a bag of plums. Good luck. Nice. You know what I'm doing? <laughs> huh. That's amazing. Yeah. Was it, uh, this is a thought that just hit my mind, though. Uh, when you were thinking of this in the, in the origin, and you're like, oh, maybe I'll walk, you know. Did you consider hitchhiking at all? Or was that not even, like, something that you, because, I mean, you seem to be experiencing a lot of passersby, and I imagine yes. you're taking a lot of roads. Um, was that a thought? Like, maybe I'll hitchhike there. It's still my thing. Or did it seem like less your thing? It was kind of, it wasn't so much lessening the experience as more of a goal that I wanted to, to set myself. I wanted to see every step of the way. I wanted to experience it and not let any portion of it pass me by. Yeah. So you wanted to soak up every step, man. That's awesome. That's yes. like, um, what's that? It's, I mean, I guess it's just being present. It's just being really in the moment, which is hard to do, even if, I mean, just take that out of it. You're, you're living a life of sobriety. Yes. You're living a life where you don't, you don't want to do what's traditional or what your obligation is, because right now in the moment, I know I'm not okay. 
with what's happening. Yep. You're like, I want to do this big trip, but I want it to be mine. I'm going to go backwards so that it's mine. You know what I mean? Like, I, right now I'm thinking of this and going there halfway isn't what I want right now. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll add a couple, I'll add a thousand miles. I'll add 1,500 miles, whatever it was, I don't know, yeah. uh, to get back home. And also, I want to be on every step. I don't want to see it all. I don't want it cheapened by an automobile. I want a human experience. Yeah. That's fucking cool, dude. And that's not to say I didn't take any rides. Okay. All right. Did you take a couple rides? I did. I, not I, that that means anything. No, no, no. Like, and this I, is still just as uh, perfect of a story as I've ever, I could have written. Well, but. when I first started, I was like, there's no way. No circumstance in which I would ever take a, take a ride. It, I'll always find a way. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it became very apparent on my, my walk before too long that uh, there would be times when it would be unsafe for yeah. me to walk on, on certain portions of the, uh, of the route. Now, is this the area? Like, this is like a bad neighborhood or weather or both? Um, actually, it was mostly just terrain. Okay, terrain. The, all right. Well, the first night I, I took a ride, it was because I struck out on my finding places to sleep again. I, you know, I went house to house to house to house and yeah. everybody said no. So it was me walking down this highway with absolutely no shoulder to it, pushing a cart right. um, in the middle of the night. And the only thing I have that's, that's like reflective is my like raincoat. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is dangerous. Um, but I, it's not like I stuck my thumb out or anything. Uh, this lady, I, I actually met her earlier in the day. And she pulled oh, and she recognized she, you? She pulled over and she's like, oh, what are you doing? Do you need anything? I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. She recognized me coming down the highway. Again, wow. And she's just like, dude, do you need some help? I was like, yeah, yes, yes, please. Can I just get to a section of road where there's, you know, less likelihood of me getting run over yeah. in the dark? And she's just like, you know... About two miles down the road here, there's a campground. I'll take you there. Nice. So I did, I did two miles of, yeah. of a ride there. This is nothing. No. And even throughout my walk, I took less than 20 miles of, of rides. That's amazing. These rides were just offered to you, too. You didn't even ask. No. None of them I were... These were gifts. These were, were divine intervention. Gifts. Yes. You're safe, man. You're safe. This all counts. It all counts. How... Um, Jesus. Okay, so yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm flooded with questions. No, you're good. Uh, give me a couple stories where it was you versus nature or terrain. I would consider okay. that the same. Well, there was one portion of my my route mm-hmm. that um, was the same stretch as uh, Nate Dom when he walked across the country. Oh, so wow. I, it was like one of the only ways across this particular mountain pass. And I was just like, well, I'll overlap him a little bit. That'll be kind of my special this is connection. The, this to is the Into the, the Wild guy, right? The, um, no, this was one of the authors that wrote like... Oh, I'm sorry. Guy. I got it confused. What was his name? Uh, Nate Dom. No, no, the guy from the movie. Oh, that you, uh, when you uh, were young, you were so inspired when you saw it. Christopher McCandless. Chris McCandless. Or, or Alexander okay. Supertramp, as he called himself. That's right, yes. <laughs> okay, so I got him confused. This is one of the books that you read. Yes, you're now this overlapping is another, on his cross-country walker. And what's that like? To know that you're now doing the walking through the steps of somebody that you 
have based your trip on, kind of. But it was shares the DNA, of, you know. It was kind of a good connection to yeah. to someone who I kind of raised up on a pedestal, where this person had you know done this before and I had never done this, but it was it was kind of surreal to be. You know, on kind of the same playing field. Hey, you're an apprentice walking in the footsteps of the master exactly. on the path that he took. It's very, um, it, it's very Campbell, actually. Well, and this 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 plays into the the story that you want me to tell about you know me versus nature. Oh, trial of the wills. I'm ready. So, in this same stretch, uh, in the part of the book that that Nate Dom wrote, he wrote about his encounter with a grizzly bear. Where he was walking through this exact same stretch that I'm in, and he got charged by a young grizzly bear. Oh my gosh. And the only thing that like prevented him from making contact with this bear yeah. was the fact that there was a highway between him and the bear. like Scared of the he cars? Was, he was stopped by the semi coming through, and he was just like, oh, okay, I guess I won't mess with that anymore. Wow. But he was actually charged by a bear. So throughout this whole section, I'm just like, great, I'm here where, where, you know, one of my heroes was. But at the same time, it was just like, I'm on the lookout for this bear. So, and this is something I want to ask earlier, too. When you're reading these books and all these, you know, you're preparing yeah. for all these, did you expect, like, what do I do if there's a bear? Do you have, like, bear spray? Or do I you have did a... buy a can of bear spray. Okay. And there was a pouch right on the, on the, the back part, on nice. the, the handle of the cart, where I just held it, you know, ready to pull out yeah. at any moment. And I'm, I'm like, my nerves are rising as, as I'm taking each step through these. Um, Where is this? Where are the... Um, this was over La Vida Pass in Colorado, in the middle of the mountains. How far into the trip is this? This was about halfway. So you're walking... This, this was after... Six weeks, seven weeks into walking... Yeah, but about seven, eight hundred miles. You're a in. pro at this point. Yeah, I'm a walker, and this is what month? This is still. It's not like cold. It's summertime. No, no, this, this is, is all summer. This summer. is all early August. Okay, so you don't got to worry about snows or anything like no, that. No, no, nothing like that. Okay, no, it was, it was, it was not perfect. that it bears not enough to be <laughs> worried <laughs> exactly. about the. Okay, I'm I'm going through here, and I'm just like, there's gonna be a bear around every turn. Yeah, it's like I'm, I got to be ready for it. So like. I'm like practicing grabbing for the bear spray yeah. and everything like that. And it's, it keeps building up in my head. And as I keep turning around, I'm just like, oh, it's going to be there. And then one time I turn around the corner and there's this huge black shape in the bushes, like on my side of the road, just, just on the other side of the fence. And I was like, oh God, this is it. Yeah. I'm like creeping closer. And I'm just like, I even moved to the other side of the road to try to be away from it. And I get up and I'm so tense and like ready for yeah. this. It was a cow. <laughs> it was just a it was just a Stray cow. cow. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god. And and when did you realize that? Um, because I, I had to walk through, right? Because the only Did you? The only place I had You I couldn't had wait go. for the big skate the shape to leave? <laughs> well, I would have had that would noticed me and I was just like I, I would have gone backwards and man, come back the next day. I I was just like, man, I I had, to, I had to do it. I had the bear spray, so I knew I, I was going to, you know, I had some, what did some you know? line of defense. <laughs> That's not a guarantee. No, but it, it, was a, it was a calculated risk. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it, it wasn't before too long that I realized it was, it was a cow. 
You're, it doesn't matter. And all of the tension in my body just, like, left. It was, like, it was like immediately exhaustion. It's like, oh, my God, I can't believe. That's gnarly, man. I built it up all that way for a cow. And then, you know, less than a mile down the road, I smell this rank odor, and there's this, this road-killed elk on the side of the road. And as oh, I get closer, yeah. there's this smaller brown shape, like, feeding off the carcass. And I'm like, oh. Well, that's a bear. That's an angry cow. Yeah. <laughs> but at that point, all of my fear was gone. I was, it, it, it had all been used up on the cow. Like I ran so out. I was just like, oh, this is a bear. Um, and I'm, I'm on the other side of the road from it. This thing is 30 feet off the road, past a barbed wire fence, eating this carcass and paying no attention to me. Right. There's like magpies flying everywhere. You're like, I'm, he's doing his thing. He's doing his thing. You know what? I didn't reach for the bear spray. I reached for my camera. <laughs> I'm, I'm 50 feet from this bear, and I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna. I reached. I, I, it was my iPod Touch. I'm just like, you know what? I'm gonna take a picture. So I'm like, I get it open. I pull it up, and as I start taking pictures, he notices me. Yeah. So my first picture is of him, like, his his face turned toward me, and then I I take another picture. Right. And I can see. The next one was him up on his haunches, like like bears do when they're like getting yeah. aggressive. And it's like, oh god, and I and I pull my camera down, and he's gone. And I'm like, where is he? And I look up, he is halfway up the hillside because I spooked the crap out of him. Oh my so god! The rest, of, I took pictures of him running up the up the hillside. Dude, you beat a bear. Yeah, you beat him. <laughs> you won a bear fight. I'll call it a bear fight. I don't know sure. no swings were thrown, but I'm taking the I'm taking the artistic. Uh, <laughs> I, guess, I guess I had enough uh, enough moxie or, or enough like I looked tough enough that the bear didn't even want to mess with me. Yeah, uh, you're the most badass person I've ever met. <laughs> I think won a bear fight. I'm taking liberties and calling it a bear fight. But after that, there was there was no fear, none whatsoever. I walked through the rest of those mountains just riding high. Yeah. yeah. He probably told his friends. He's like, look out for that fucking human with his cart. Yeah. And I, I didn't see another bear. My yeah. Whole trip. They're hiding from you, bro. Yeah. Yeah. They know you're sent now. <laughs> you should bottle that. It's stronger than any bear spray. Yeah. That was, that was good. That wasn't even like the most scary part of my, my trip, though. What was the scariest part of your trip? Um, on the border of Nebraska and Kansas, okay. I, I was... Camping on this, like, state-owned property. It was just, like, this prairie. And, uh... It was the... I had gone to bed, and I... I was really tired, and the ground was so hard. I couldn't even get my stakes in for my tent. Um, but I had checked the weather earlier, and it was just like... There's gonna be nothing. So I was like, okay, cool. I, I can leave my tent on, on, you know, unstaked. My body weight will keep my tent down if the wind picks up right. a little bit. So I went to sleep, and I was woken in the middle of the night by what I thought was a, a strobe light. I get out of my tent, and I look at the, the horizon out west, and it is just a wall of, of just thunderstorm. And there was not a single millisecond when the sky was not lit up by a bolt of lightning. It was like boom, 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 boom. Wow. And I was like, oh, God, this thing's coming my way. Yeah. So I like... 
throw my tarp over my, my cart to keep all my possessions dry and bungee cord it down. And I'm, I'm like, I can't get my stakes into my tent. I was like, okay, I guess we just got to ride this out. This thing hits me like bricks. This thing oh is blowing gosh. the tent. I, I can barely keep it upright. And I'm like bracing the whole side of the tent with my body, just trying to keep it up. And uh, because it wasn't staked down, a lot of the rain fly was like flapping and, and this torrential downpour was just like flooding into my tent. All of my electronics, I, I had to put in like the Ziploc bag and just hope that it survived the night and just brace the side of the tent. And I was that way for hours. Holy shit. Before the hail started in. <laughs> oh, God. And I was there, bracing inside of my tent, getting pelted in the back with hail. Oh, my God. And this was, this was the worst experience of my life. I wanted it to end. Like, I, I was just screaming because there was nothing else I could do. But I wrote it out. And in the morning, it was, it was a beautiful morning. But I was just like, man, if I have to go through that again, I'll die. Like, yeah. I, I can't do this anymore. So I, How I, far into the trip is that? This was about a third. A third of the way in. Of so the, pre-bear. 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 Yes, pre-bear. So you, uh, this is the, the biggest, the scaredest you've been on the trip. You don't realize that at that point. But yeah. um, was it the first scare at all? No. I, I had some minor stuff, and, and even just the, the first couple of days when I was right. you know, well, having that's trouble finding yeah, stuff Yeah, first day stuff. But yeah, this one was the first thing that actually had me contemplating giving up and going home. I, the, the, the reason I ask is because I wonder if overcoming a fear or a scary situation, especially something you have no control over where it's like hours, you just have to wait for it to pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that influenced your ability, because the seeing of the cow, <laughs> and then just well, I'm out of fear, and yep. just taking pictures of it, that still seems fucking crazy to me. So yeah. I wonder if that's a response of you being like, no, I've been in this horrible situation, and I lived and I survived. Yeah. Like it's gonna be fine. I wonder if it's like the confidence you gained from that, or if it truly was just not that big a deal to you. I'm not to sure. you, <laughs> to a yeah, superhero, yes, to us humans down here, <laughs> it's still scary to fight a bear. And I'm not sure if it was the, like a result of that particular instance or mm. if it was just my walk in general. But I, after coming out of a walk like this, I have such a sense of determination that I never had before. Yeah, and uh, I, I attribute it to just my needing to go forward in in my my walk. So it's just it's it's just another it's just another layer over that re- resolve. Yeah. So I, I I called my parents after that happened, and they're just like, Oh, oh you did? I, I can't do this anymore. And and it, to my dad's credit, he's just like, No, I I I know you can do this if this is what you want to do. And uh, he called me down, and I was like, Okay, I'll uh, I'll keep going, and it, we'll we'll see what happens next to make me to make me doubt. The, the trip again. Now that's... A, I want to talk about that a little bit. What's it like hearing your dad, who was the inspiration for your breaking away from traditional lifestyle as anyone you know knows it, and then hearing him convince you to continue, which is the antithesis of everything as far as this conversation mm-hmm. goes he's been representative of. That's yeah, beautiful. It was, I mean... It's, yeah, it was, it was kind of difficult for me. 
Yeah. To in what way? Because I I called him, mm-hmm. and this this was not a thing that I was prepared to do. I my dad is very much a, uh, a don't admit defeat kind of person, and it was it was it was a, a scary thing to to even approach him about you know wanting to come come back because I. There was a point when I was just like, "All right, I'm convinced. I'm, I'm, I'm out, man. I'm, I'm not doing this anymore." But uh, I called him, and I was just like, "Yeah, I, I want to come home." Just like, I'll, I'll, I'll support that if, if that's what you want to do. But if, if you wanna, if you wanna make this journey, I know you can do it. Cause it, cause it's what you want to do. And that, that meant a lot to me. Because it, it, it wasn't an obligation coming from him at that point, because it was really him saying, you know, come home if you want, go do this if you want. I have no expectations of you, but either way, I'm proud of what you've accomplished thus far. Wow. Wow, man, that's powerful. And that, that, that meant a lot to me, and that, that actually gave me the, the drive to continue forward. Yeah. So, and it turns out... That, that very next night, I, uh, I was camping in someone's yard, and that very same storm pulled up again. <laughs> or so it seemed. It yeah. was the same severity. It was like the same scenario. You're just in for round two. But I was able to get my uh, tent stakes in the ground. No problem. Really? Night and it day, took, then? Those it stakes? took all of that wind. It kept all of the, the water off, and the hail came again. And my tent just kept on going. So this no is just another testament to this amazing tent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to linger, but it was just, it was too good a moment for me not to ask you more about your dad. I, I, uh, is that, do you have a pretty good relationship prior to that generally? Or was it kind of strained? It's always been kind of strained. Um, my dad never really understood what I had to go through with my depression issues. It's a hard thing for, I think, a lot of that generation to grasp. Yeah. In a world where it wasn't really talked about or addressed or, you know. And, and he's, very, he's very traditional in his ways. It was very much a, you know, suck it up and, and go forward with your life. Why, yeah. why are we on this still, you know? Yeah. So had you heard him talk to you like that before? I'm proud of you. You can do this. Yeah, Were those words he's, that he's given to you like? He's always striven to to be proud of me. Um, he he's always ever wanted me to succeed mm-hmm. um, at the things that. Well, again, I don't mean to push, but at the yes, things at that the he things wanted that you he to wanted exceed at. Yeah, yeah, like college. Um, he was proud of me for for going to college. Right. Did he express that for things that you... Did he express that about your birds, you know, or about... I never heard that for anything. I'm not trying before. to paint him as a bad guy. I'm really no, just no, trying no, to no. see how significant this moment is where you're doing something that he doesn't agree with, yeah. and he well, still gives you that support. The birds were, were just a hobby. It wasn't a thing to be, you know, proud of. It was just like, oh, that's... that's Maybe his, pride that's is the thing. wrong word. Support. Was he supportive? Not actively. Yeah. He didn't hinder me at all. But it sure. was it was just like, oh, that's your thing. Yeah. No, this this was the first time I really felt that he was proud of me for something that I did that wasn't like expected from him. Well the real highlight from my point of view is that you're coming to him not I mean it is in defeat, but not from his point of view. It's yeah. like you're coming to him giving him everything he wanted for you. Yep. 
And he's like, but it, and he realized, maybe not in that moment, maybe before, but he did realize it's not what you want. And he knows that now. And, and, and to show that support, um, you know, I mean, it's powerful irregardless, but it's even more meaningful when there wasn't a history of that. Yeah. You know, and at the right time, apparently, you mm-hmm. know, at the very right time. Yeah, because it was his words that, uh, that convinced me to, to keep going on. This story gets better and better, man. <laughs> your arc, your arc is happening. Exactly. All right, all right I, won't, I won't hold this back anymore. Keep going. What else? Uh, is there a significant... I, I can't, we can't get it all. There's no way we'll get it all. No. Right? But is there a significant story, your go-to uh, story about A to Z, what happened in the middle, something funny? What's your party go-to story? I like one of the stories when I was on the Navajo reservation in... Arizona. Okay. This was in the last stretch of my trip. Um, I'm a I'm a veteran, you know. Yeah. Walking across the country, you know, I, I'm doing 25 miles on average in a day. Wow. At this point, my record was 34. Oh my gosh. Um, Downhill or <laughs> just? <laughs> no, this was it was mostly flat terrain. Gotcha. But uh, no, I, I got to the Navajo reservation, and I'll tell you, man. Being there is like being in another country. Yeah? Yeah. Within the, within the borders of the natives? Like, they're, what is the, the word for that? Where yeah, they have the, their own The land? reservation. The reservation, yeah. thank you, yeah. Definitely. So reservation is like its own independent country, even on the inside looking that's, out. That's what it felt like. Um, these are very unique and, and rich people in, in their culture. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, was, it was very surreal. But they, I, I found a very different, but but vivid sense of uh, of support from them, where where everybody was just like, man, yeah, you were so cool walking across, you know. Was it trouble getting into the reservation? They let you in. They don't mind. Not at all. Okay, I didn't know. I don't really know the rules. I know they have their own law there too. Yes. So I didn't know they if they just law. let anybody come in and camp or. Um, see, out west, there's a lot less of a stigma around you know vagrants just camping wherever they want to. Yeah. I got to a point in my my walk where I could just put my tent on the side of the road wherever I wanted, and no one would would even bat an eye. Yeah, where I'm from, we call it Tent City. Yeah, yeah, yeah they just exactly. live there, yeah. If I had done that, you know, in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. someone would have called cops on me and I would have been, you know, forced to move, you know, before midnight. Yeah. Yeah, it's a different world, man. At what point did you start to see it kind of lax up? Like, you felt free to do that? What state would you, I guess? I'm going to go with Kansas. You get to Kansas... And then it's like, okay, finding a place to stay is now no longer something I need to worry about too much. Yeah, not really. I mean, okay. it, it always made me feel a lot better when I could get permission from a landowner okay. to, to sleep at night. Because um, you never know. There's always these like stories of, oh, you know, people are prowling around at night. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I don't know. I, I like getting permission. It's, it's always, I, I like, I'm a... I'm the kind of guy who likes to play by the rules. I feel you. Possible. I mean, it doesn't seem like it. I'll be honest. No, it doesn't. No, I mean, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But when I what I'm saying is, uh, you'll play by the rules, but you won't play the games you don't want to play. 
Exactly. Yeah. I'll play by the rules to... I don't want to be a burden on anyone. Yeah. That's, that's my philosophy in life. Like, like if, if I can do something that will make someone's life easier or if I can avoid doing something that will cause someone discomfort, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go that route. And most of the time, it makes me feel that I'm doing, you know, less... I'm being less obtrusive when I actually get permission to, to you know, camp on the property. Because, right. Because whenever you stealth camp, you are always on someone's property. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something to think about. Had you been approached by uh, police or anything like that at all on the trip? Huh. Uh, you, you had to have, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. This is this is another story, I guess. Um, there were a couple of times when people would call the police and say, "Oh, there's a strange man pushing a a, a baby on the on the side of the highway they <laughs> because they thought the car, yeah." <laughs> and the police would come, and they're just they, they would always be really friendly, like, yeah. "Hey, what are you doing? Do you mind if we look in your in your car?" And I was like, "Go ahead." Like, oh, okay. Well, all right. Carry on. Oh, okay, so nothing bad. Nothing it happened, bad, but nothing no, no. bad. He didn't get, oh. it wasn't like a Rambo. <laughs> you know? No. All right. Although, um, crossing a bridge over the Missouri River from Iowa into Nebraska, mm. um, I had to cross this bridge really quickly because there wasn't a lot of space between the traffic and myself to get across this thing, but there wasn't a lot of traffic. So so I ran across this thing hoping to, to beat the traffic. And when I got to the other side, there's a, there's a, a toll booth. And a toll booth worker pokes their head out, and they're just, like, beckoning me over really, like, frantically. Like, yeah. get over here. And I was like, oh, what, what's going on? I get over there, and they're just like, um, you need to sit down right here. The cops are on their way. And I'm like, what? What, what did I do? Did I do something illegal? There weren't any no pedestrian signs yeah. on, this, on this bridge. Like, am I in the wrong? And that's all they gave me. And they went back in to do their job. And who, are, who are these people again? These they're, are... they're just toll booth workers. You can tell them to go fuck themselves and keep walking? No. Well, Sit like, here? The cops are coming? Someone someone called the cops, and I'm just like, well, if the cops are expecting me to be here, I'm going to be here for fuck the cops. Fuck that, man. No, no way. No, no, no. This, this isn't is a cop me. that told you that. This is a toll booth. Tell the cop to tell me to sit down. Well, the, see, this is me being really extreme on the not wanting to break the rules thing, and I was, and I was just curious, like, why are the cops coming? Oh, see, this is me not being willing to play that game. I was just like, oh, damn, did I? I? But you know you didn't do anything wrong. Well, I sat there convincing myself that, that I must have done something wrong. Oh, really? You're like, yeah, what did I do? they didn't tell me anything. They're just like, wait here, the cops are on their way. And I'm just like, what did I do wrong? And I'm like racking my brain for oh, like, things I that I missed. Gotcha. Or like, like, what could I possibly have done? And the cops showed up, and, and apparently somebody saw me on the bridge and assumed that I was contemplating committing suicide by jumping over. And they called 911 and were like, there's a guy on the bridge, like, about to jump off, get down here now. So the cops show up, sirens blaring, and they, they sit me down, and they're just, like, asking me all these questions, making sure I'm not going to kill myself. And I'm just like, no, dude, look, I have possessions in... In my cart, yeah. I I started from 
Deerfield, Wisconsin. If I had planned on killing myself, I would have done it there. Yeah. I wouldn't. I would let the bear get me. I would have <laughs> spent months getting to this point just to jump off of this particular unnamed bridge. I gotta tell you though, uh, wh- where is this? This is ne- Nebraska on the the Iowa Nebraska border. <sighs> let me tell you, I had a very lovely Nebraska experience on this trip, but prior, I. I, it's my least favorite state. If I had to omit oh, yeah. a state, it'd be Nebraska. Yeah, exactly. With, I'd, I'd have to think about it more because I met some very nice people this time. But yeah, I just... If somebody's going to jump off a bridge, you don't say, hey, sit here, the cops are coming. <laughs> if you value human life, <laughs> you don't say, point to a chair and then go back to your phone. You know, like... Yeah, well, see, that's what threw me off because I'm just like... How about some compassion? If you think this guy's going to jump... Go give this motherfucker a hug. Don't tell him to take a seat and a number. But they knew that the they cops knew. were yeah, coming. They like They knew what it was about. Yeah, exactly. They knew there's a jumper. Those toll booth operators, I guarantee you, go through some kind of procedure for that. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, they must. Because, I mean, that's one of the number one, you know, if you work on a bridge. Yeah. Like, I don't know what major bridges don't have suicides on them. Like, that's what, oh, and there that's was, what they're for. <laughs> there was a no pedestrian sign on the bridge. Oh, there was? Only on the one side. On the side that I started on, there was no sign. Not so how fault. would I know? Well, then it means it's not illegal on that side. Isn't that the rule? Yeah. The, the laws on the side the cops, that the, they're just yeah. like, yeah, we don't have a problem with it. <laughs> they're just like, yeah, that, that's really cool what you're doing, man. Yeah. Um, the road up ahead doesn't have a, a shoulder to speak of, and, and there's no way you're going to push that cart through there. We'll give you a little ride up over to the gas station. Oh, and, how cool. Yeah. All right. So they gave, they gave me a ride, and they, you know... They actually, they couldn't fit my cart in the, the police vehicle. Uh-huh. So one of the people who was like stopped at the toll booth was like like curious about it. So he came over to, to talk to us and he had a pickup truck and they're just like, yeah, would you be willing? And he's like, oh, hell yeah, let's go. How cool, man. This is great. This is so all the stories that I was expecting <laughs> yeah. are like, all, they're, they're all positive. That's the thing. It's like I was thinking they were going to be rather negative. I, I'll, I'll I, tell you. There was not a single moment on that trip when I felt that any human being had any ill will towards me. Oh, I, yeah, I didn't mean harm. I just meant, like, the support you're receiving from these oh, people yeah. who are like, that's great. Like, I, I was expecting some more eye-rolling and some more, uh, you know, like, grandma reactions, yeah. you know? Uh, this is really cool to hear. That uh, in a place where you're seeking community, you've developed your own on the road. You know what I mean? Exactly. You're grabbing passersby and the people in your army's reach and enlightening their day and enriching them with your experience. Uh, what you couldn't get when you sought it, you know? Yeah. For a collection of people looking for that, you found it running away from... Well, not running away, walking towards something, which was your arc. And that's, ah, that's, that's great, man. Yeah, I do want to give a shout out to Nebraska. Oh, yeah, we can't shit on Nebraska. I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to. It's... Honest to God. <laughs> Let's give it a shout out. <laughs> Honest to God. Nebraska was the friendliest state that I walked through in my, my entire journey. Yeah? Yeah. Every house that I stopped at was like, hey, do you mind if I, you know, pitch my tent? Everyone was like, they treated me like a long-lost brother. Like, oh, yeah. Like, like it was no big deal at all. Like, yeah, pick anywhere, you know, on the property. And they'll even, like, like tell me, oh, you might find some good shelter between these trees over there. And yeah. there's a beautiful vista out, out there. That you, just like, and that's, that's where I had uh, the, the guy at the construction site let me stay at his mom's place. Oh, I that was there? there? I stayed there for three days. They let and me did shower. You really? They fed me every night. And when I wanted to leave... 
he he took me to the uh, to the the store, and he's just like, I will buy you whatever you need oh for my provisions gosh. going forward. Man, yeah, I've said this before, but I'm grateful for my friends. I have the best family in the world, but I would be dead in the ground if not for the kindness of strangers. Yep. You know, it's just it's just crazy. They come when you need them. Exactly. Yeah. It, it was kind of crazy. Throughout my, my walk, I was put in all kinds of just weird situations. I didn't know I was going to, you know, how I was going to push through them or anything. It always worked out all right. Yeah. And mostly from the, the kindness of strangers. The, the thing that I pull out of big epic trips like this, especially a couple months at a time where you're on your own, you know, um, you do come out of it with such a sense of confidence. Yeah. That, especially the first time, you know what I mean? We just, you are in a place where people were worried about if you would live or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know that you're not thinking that because you're thinking about your trip and the yeah. adventure. But uh, whether or not, like, you're confronted with things and the level of just, like, I, I did it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Walk me through that. Maybe not quite there, but, I mean, like, I mean, I could sit here and talk about it for days. But we hit the two-hour mark just about. <laughs> These are normally an hour. No, no, that's fine. I would be happy to let them go several more hours, but uh, they're going to close this library eventually. Yeah, I'm sure. Towards the end of your trip, meaning the towards the end of your yes. getting to the Grand Canyon, uh, when does the anticipation start to get real, start to crystallize? Like, oh my gosh, I'm here. Oh my gosh, it's happening. I did it. Like, <laughs> the last couple of steps. Was it when you got to Arizona or whatever state that you saw it? No, I, it was the point at which um, I, I was still on the, I had been on the reservation for several days, and that was actually most of the way through it. And I got to this crossroads. Mm-hmm. Where the road came to a T, and I could either go right or I could go left. And the sign in the middle said, Grand Canyon, North Rim that way, South Rim that way. Oh, wow. And I was like, this is it. It was laid there for you. That, this is the last Google stretch. led you here. Yep. <laughs> Did you, at any point, leave um, tokens of some kind? Kevin was here? I don't know. Landmarkers for yourself, or just like to commemorate? or? Oh, nothing like that. I'm, yeah. I'm more of a, a leave no trace kind of guy. Gotcha. But, uh, you know, take only memories. That I was just wondering if I was going to see a hello, my name is Kevin slapped on that sign one day or something I mean, like that, you know? I did sell, or I did get rid of my original cart halfway through in, in oh, Colorado. Oh, you did? Yeah. Swap for a better one? The uh, Well, the front wheel broke off twice. Oh, the first time happened in Iowa, and I went to like Ace Hardware store, and and they were they made it their mission to like fix it up with, with how cool washers and yeah they made a whole new uh, like wheel joint for me that's awesome uh, and then that broke within a week but not to no fault of theirs it's right. just I'm I'm really hard on this thing and yeah then, I don't think carts are meant for this kind of abuse and then I met I met this guy on the side of the road he was just mowing his lawn he's just like hey what are you doing I was like oh I'm I'm doing this and then he was like oh you got a busted front wheel come with me I'm a welder how about he, that he welded me a whole new apparatus oh my gosh the universe provides man yeah but by the time I I got to uh, Colorado that was in Alamosa, Colorado. The all of the wheels on that were just shot. Yeah. And there was I was like, all right, I need something better. Uh, and actually, one of the authors from the books that I read, he bought a uh, one of those that style of cart, but it's made for dogs. He said it was built like a tank. 
I was like, okay, I'll try one of those. So I mail ordered that to like my campsite. <laughs> so I, just, I stayed there for a few days waiting for delivery. <laughs> you have mail sent to the campsite. So you got to have some kind of relationship with the guys that run it, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they were really cool. It was like a, it was a KOA. Yeah, yeah, those places, man, they're all over. I don't know about right here, but you see them a lot. Driving, uh, anyways, yeah, you see them a lot as a place to stop. Out, out west, especially. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them. Yeah, I uh, I got my new cart and I left my old old cart um just kind of in an area where where people would would pick it up. I I wanted people to still because it was still usable, just not for the rugged use that I was right. gonna, gonna put it through because it, it would not have made it to. Uh, you need a military-grade shopping cart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you need what they, what they shop I'll, with in, like, I'll danger zones. This, this new cart, it is absolutely built like a tank. Yeah? This thing is in the trunk of my car currently. You still have it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess you and couldn't I, ever get rid of it, huh? I'm planning on using it again. I'm planning on doing another trip like this. Okay, all right. So where do you want to go? I'm not sure. And yeah. We'll see where I go with my career once I once I finish mm-hmm. college here. I'm in my last year, so uh, we'll we'll see what uh, what the future brings. But I definitely want. I I've been considering like the Pacific Crest Trail or something like that, or okay. even the Appalachian Trail. But after what I did, it that one seems kind of tame. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, are you trying to one up it, or are you just trying to see something different? Just something different. Man. Okay. So it's not like oh, I have to surpass. No, it, it, and I think it'll be less of a a you know an arc for me and more of a just the journey is yeah. is is enough. See you some, know, yeah. See some new stuff. Even after all of my journeying, I I still haven't seen the West Coast. Yeah. Well, do you travel much outside of like this big trek? Do you like to explore and see places and or I wouldn't say vacation. Vacation is the, is the same as travel, is, but. Is, Probably the best word for okay. A couple days here, a couple days yeah. there. Where where would you uh, where have you been? I've been to the sand dunes, like the Great Sand Dunes okay. Preserve in uh, Colorado. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I actually spent uh, six months living in Portland, Oregon. Doing what? Uh, it was just a change of scenery. That was after my. This walk. is post walk. Yeah. So you're still looking for. I you're was, still. I was this... still looking for like yeah. I had a sense of self at that time, but yeah. I didn't have a sense of where I wanted to take myself in my future so I was like okay well I'm not finding it here let's mm-hmm. see if I can you know find something elsewhere so I moved to Portland and it kind of dawned on me that it was the same there as it was here right. at least you know trying to find my forward momentum in life and uh, yeah it was it was after that that I, I realized I, I wanted to go back to school good for you man and, and that's how I ended up here and now you have clear direction. You feel like, do you feel comfortable in, in where you're heading? Oh, absolutely. Or do you feel like there's still more to discover of what, what's going to come of my path? No, with, with each passing semester, I feel like my, my future is more and more clear to me. That's that, great, That man. feels really good. Yeah. I'm finally there. I mean, I'm, I'm 27 years old, and I've, I've finally found my path, you know? That's amazing. That's really, honestly the best thing I, you could possibly tell me to hear. That's... It's yeah. very uplifting. I love hearing that because I don't hear it enough. I definitely don't feel it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm still on my search. I don't think it's uncommon. I think it comes to different people at different times. Oh, absolutely. But just hearing it, it feels so good. It to is, know. Oh, it is attainable for everyone. Yeah. It's in, in their own time. Yeah, exactly. In their own time. 
That's the thing. And if you hadn't taken that time for yourself to go on this walk in Oregon, oh, where no. do you think you'd be? I mean, do you think you'd probably find your way back here, or do you think you would have found a new path? I wouldn't have gone back to college. No? Because I, I was convinced for, for most of my life, after I, you know, flunked out that first semester, yeah. that I wasn't going to go back to college because it's what, you know, people want of me. Right. Um, it was only after overcoming that and realizing that that is something that I want for myself outside of what other people expect of me mm-hmm. that I could go back to college. Wow. So it's, it's, it's about breaking through the demands and the obligations and the you must, you must, you must. Exactly. And then picking what you want for yourself. Even if it was that, you had to figure out that it's what you wanted. Yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised at uh, how much determination and drive you can have to do something when it's what you want to do and not because you feel obligated to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's true, man. It's it's that, that level of... I mean, they say this a lot for a lot of things, but the one I hear it mostly is addiction. Like quitting something. Not always a substance, but just quitting something that you're doing all the time and you can't stop doing. It's like, yep. if they don't really want to stop, <laughs> you know, there's a reason yeah. they're doing it until they realize it's not healthy or they don't want it anymore, it's not going to matter. Exactly. Yeah, you can put that in any situation. And I've, I've not really thought about it this way, but yeah, finding a path, you got to want it. Exactly. Shit, man. This has been uh, more rewarding than I can probably tell you. Thank you so much for, for hanging out, man. Yeah, no, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to share my story. Um, oh, I, I will tell you, just, just for, for closure yeah. on, the, uh, on the journey. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, when I was finally getting to the Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. I was afraid. I was afraid that all of my experiences leading up to that on my journey would invalidate the uh, the grandeur of the Grand Canyon for me. Whoa, and we're not even done. Walk me through that. <laughs> Tell me what you mean by that. So I, I had seen so many really cool landscapes. Um, it's such a diversity. Um, met some really cool people. I, I had experienced the countryside. Mm-hmm. In, in the fullest extent of, of the meaning behind that. Maybe a handful of people in the world know what you went through. Exactly. And, and here I was approaching this very standard tourist attraction, and I was like, oh, th- this is going to be a big di- disappointment, isn't it? Oh, but it's not. Oh, <laughs> it can't be. Was I so wrong? The isn't first, it crazy? I walked up to the actual canyon itself, and the first view I got of it... My mind couldn't comprehend what I was looking at. Yeah. My mind was telling me that this was, like, in miniature. Like, I could just reach out and grab it. Like, it was just a model on a table. And then I was, like, trying to apply logic to it. And I was looking out at, like, the far edge of the canyon. And it was, like, tinted a deep blue because of all of the airspace between me and the other side of the canyon... And it just hit me logically how absolutely massive this landscape is. And everything else com- like paled c- in comparison to it. Like, I felt fulfilled in my journey before yeah. I even got there. And then this oh, was yeah. just like the cherry on top. Like, I didn't even think about it, dude. But it's true. Like, you're already seeing so much. Like, if you had chosen a different destination, because it, it seemed rather, fairly arbitrary. Yes. Like, your choice it of really where was. it ended. Like, it could have been... Disneyland, you know, or walk to Disneyland and it would have been shitty. Like, it would have been horrible because it wouldn't have met anything you've done. 
wow, the, the Grand Canyon is your is your finale. Uh, there's not a lot of things I think that could that could have done for you what that did to punctuate yeah. your your end. And and my actual destination was the very bottom of the canyon. That's right. Yeah, you walked down to it. Yep. Did you camp there too? I did not. Okay. Um, you were sick of camping. I like was, I did it. Get well, me the fuck out of here. <laughs> logistically, <laughs> logistically, it, it wasn't really possible for me to camp down there. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the time that I wanted because. In order to camp down there, you need a reservation far in advance because there's so many people high demand, do right? It. Yeah, um, and there's only a limited amount Space. of actually, you know, established campsites for that. And I would have needed to call like a month in advance at mm-hmm. least to tell them, "Hey, I want the campsite," but I would have had had to give them a particular date, and I had no clue when it was actually going to show up, so I couldn't reserve a site. And I was afraid because I was looking at their website, and they they have postings all over the website saying do not attempt to walk to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and back up in the same day you will die oh my god you're like challenge accepted you know who you're dealing with I fought a bear sign I was like well see that could be the case but also I'm walking you know upwards of 34 miles in a day I'm in better shape than most of the people who are going down here so I actually call up the, uh, the office of the, yeah. the National Park. And I'm just like, dude, this is what I'm doing. I want to get to the bottom and back up. Is the, do you think this is feasible? And the guy's like, you walked here from Wisconsin? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is going to be a cakewalk for you. Go right ahead. Yeah. <laughs> wow, so there's a split second, though, that you're like, I was almost robbed like, of my ending. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, how am I going to do this? How long did you stay down there at the bottom? So one of the, uh, the reasons they tell people not to do this is because uh, in, in the height of the season when I went, uh, surface temperatures during, during the highest part of the day can reach 130 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh my gosh. Can. And it's just like, no, you will die of like, heat stroke. Yeah. Um, but I was like, okay, I can get around this. I started walking down. I can get around this. I started walking down at like three in the morning. All right. You timed it. Under cover of moonlight, you know? And I was was halfway down before the the sun even came up. And I I got to the bottom, and it is so humid down there. Yeah? Yeah, it's like tropical. Really? Like, Like, there's... There's a descent, and then you get to this, like, plateau area where it's really arid and deserty, and then there's, like, a more steep descent into, like, the main part of the, the canyon where the Colorado River is. Yeah. And it's so... It's a completely different ecosystem. Really? There's, like, huge broad-leaved plants down there alongside oh, wow. the river, and it's so humid. It's, it's tropical. Uh, it was so cool. So that, that was... That was do you like awesome plants at this point that you can appreciate yes. that? Um, not by this time, I had I had facilitated my my love of, of plants just from exposure. You have to learn to love it, seeing that much. Well, it was actually born out of my love for survival skills, <laughs> just for not dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was just like trying to teach myself these plants for, that I could you know eat. If oh was, my gosh! If yeah, go of course. Wilderness. I didn't even think about that. And and the more I learned, the more I was just like, oh. These are actually really cool. So this journey, again, pushes you in the direction of your career path Absolutely. once more. But there's so many. This is a fucking onion of a tail, bro. Well, a cake, yes. I'll say. As Donkey yeah. would prefer. Cakes have layers <laughs> as well. Parfait. Yeah. 
Yeah. And after I got to the bottom, I was just like, okay, I'll, uh, I'll go to one of the, the campgrounds that are down there. Yeah. I'll wait out the heat of the day in, in the shade of the, the few trees that are actually there. And I'll, I'll make my way up, you know, once, uh, once the evening sets in again. Oh, my gosh. This is, t- I, I don't know what steps need to be taken to get there, but I'm going to look into making Google make from your address to the Grand Canyon the Kevin Path. If I type in the Kevin Path on Google, I want that to show up. No. I'm going to see if I can make that happen Let's because see. this is amazing, man. Oh, one of the things that I, I could not prepare for was the mm. route. The I, route? I thought I did. The route that I took? Uh-huh. I was like, yeah, I, I just Google Maps the whole thing and man, some of the, the places that it took me were, were just like, I hate this. This is awful terrain. Yeah. Like some of it was just like, oh, walk through this like really coarse gravel that it's really hard to get your cart over. Yeah. And just like, oh, I kept having to revise and re-revise my route as I found places I couldn't go. They probably would have paid you for that shit, man. Because honestly, like, yeah. I can't imagine they're really testing the walking routes. I really don't think so. I think they're like, we'll see you on the streets. Once it gets to craziness, uh, there's some intern who just like draws a squiggly line. I don't think they really had somebody walk those or see like what's the yeah. best path. Because they're not all paths, right? A no. lot of it is... Just high sides. percentage was just nothing. Yeah, they didn't. Say, there's no guy with a Google hat doing walks. No. You're the first person to do that. Exactly. Like, you probably could have been like, "Here's a better route for you." <laughs> <laughs> well, and I developed a, a method. Do you still have it? Do you still oh, have yeah. the? Oh yeah, I'll, I'll tell you right. You now should what, forward it what, to a man. See if they want a piece of that. Well, my method for determining a route wasn't like, oh, I I created a route, you know, and that, and that's the one way to go. Yeah, it was. I need to know what terrain will be suitable for me pushing my cart right. through these areas. And a lot of the best ones were, like, county highways with a large paved shoulder where I could be far enough away from the cars where it wasn't, you know, a, uh, as much of a risk of getting hit. But right. I had that terrain where I could, like, make really good efficient time with my cart. This is stuff people don't think about. That's brilliant. And I didn't think about it it when I started. Until you get into it. Yeah, exactly. But I I found the method to determining what what roads will work. Mm -hmm. Paper maps. You stop at any of those, like, rest areas on the side of the the highway and you pick up a paper map. Yeah, Yeah, just the local, you know, oh, here's the map of the state or here's the map of the county. And you look at the map and you see, oh, which ones are, like, the county highways. And and I would supplement that with with, uh, Google Satellite View. And I would actually look down at the road itself to see what kind of, of terrain was on the road. Oh, my gosh. But most of the time, I could pick out on the paper map which one was, was, had the, the best likelihood of, of being what I wanted. Yeah. To the point where I, eventually I got to the point where it, it was so easy for me, I didn't even use the satellite view anymore. I'm just like, yep, there's that's the kind of road. There's something fun about navigating on a paper map, too. Yeah. Like, getting, just pulling it out and like actually charting where you are and like not relying on my location. Um, it wasn't that long ago that I was running around without a smartphone. So mm-hmm. that was the one thing, that's one of the things I miss the most is being, is, is, cause I could do it, but the convenience is hard to ignore of yeah. just having it on you at all yeah. time. But the fun of charting out and like being like matching, uh, uh viewpoints and perspective yeah. and uh, well, landmarks. At the time I had all that technology at my fingertips. Right. I, yeah. I had the iPod touch and I would go to McDonald's and connect to the Wi-Fi. Get the Wi-Fi. Just, yeah. Just get it. And using the paper maps was way less hassle and way more success. Yeah. Well, you also don't have to search for a signal in the sense that you'd have Correct. to find the yeah. McDonald's. You could just whip out your map and be like, here we go. Yep. 
Yeah, reading maps, cartography, like the ability to navigate through it, it's really important. I think it's like I think it's one of those things that has been dying. I'm not blaming the internet on it because it's been dying for some time, but yeah, yeah, it, that's that's a good thing to know. My dad kind of hit me over the head with that. He's like, "You need to learn to read a map." This is before there were smartphones, but uh, I'm glad he did. <laughs> it's a good skill to have. Yeah, for sure. Invaluable. Right on, man. Again, thank you so much for sitting down with me. This has been. Kevin from Wisconsin, a living, breathing Forrest Gump. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, I have to go through these and listen to them, you know, and mark up the edits. And I go through, I, I hear these conversations a few times before they're complete. And uh, man, that bit with him and his dad, absolutely beautiful. It still is my, I get excited to, to get to that part. Anyhow, uh, once again, one last time, thank you, Kevin, for sitting with me. It was a pleasure. I hope to see you again on down the line. Uh, and thank you for the pictures. Uh, I'm going to try to put those up on my Facebook. I realize there's not really any kind of social media for this entity, but you can find me on Facebook. It's just my name, Christian Tayar. I'm pretty sure I'm the only one in the world. So <laughs> spelling is on the picture there. And then, yeah, we got some cool pictures from the walk, including the bear. You showed me a picture of the bear. That's up there. Uh, crazy, crazy to finally see those after hearing the story. So the next episode is going to be Shelly, good friend of mine, Shelly. I'm real excited to get her up there. Shelly from Houston. And uh, we're going to hear a little bit of that right now. So thanks again for stopping by, guys. Everybody was like, oh, she's just a baby. Like, they get colds. Like, nobody would take her seriously. And cystic fibrosis hadn't been diagnosed for very long, like, in the medical world. It's they were just figuring world. out, yeah, what to call it. Right. Um, I think it was, like, in the early 80s, maybe mid-80s, they gave it a name. Mm-hmm. And started mapping out, like, what it even was. Whether it was something you caught, genetics, whatever. It's up, It's genetic. Um, so my mom ran away from her family and my dad and, um, was like, if you're not going to believe me, I'll go live with, um, some friends. And she had a long-term friend who grew up in Houston and her mom and her friend's mom, like, knew each other. And so my mom went to live with Kim and they found UCSF, this, the hospital in San Francisco that finally diagnosed me when I was two, only because my mom pursued, like, knowing that something was different with me. And that's how we ended up in this weird little town. And then my mom left my dad and her family to find out, you know, what happened to her baby. Who do you like better? UCSD, hands down. Yeah? But it's not fair because I'm a better patient at UCSD because I'm now I'm a f- fully established adult who takes care of themselves. Right. Um, and because UCSF knew me from my childhood, I had the same like uh, pediatrician, pulmonary pediatrician until I was like 17 and then he retired. And then 17 through 26, I had the adult pulmonary CF team. And so they got to see my shit show 
of like not taking care of myself because now I don't live at home and right. like I am 22 and I'm invincible and you don't feel like you're gonna die at 22 even with um oh no see like I've even with a terminal illness right I was never gonna die I'm only 22 did you really you thought just like, there was de- yeah there was like I don't have to take my medicine for years and uh 